Hey, all right. Hopefully we get a full recording this week. <laughs> all right, this is uh, Sunday, October 11th. This is How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Harwood. I'll be your host tonight. Um, hopefully, I think we're going to have quite a few uh, new guests on today, so hopefully we'll get a, a lot of new participation, which is great. Um, tonight I'm going to be discussing um, what are rights. And uh, I would say that they're nothing if you don't own them, if you don't own the subject matter uh, on which you are uh, have rights over, okay? So that's, that's where I'm going with this. So rights are inherent in the res or in the subject matter, uh, in the asset, if you will, okay? So uh, res is a thing, okay, as a property, interest, or a status in something, okay, as opposed to a person that is the object of rights, okay, and especially that is the subject matter of litigation. Okay, so um, again, the res, if you're talking trust, uh, you're talking about the assets of the trust, the subject matter of the trust, uh, the thing that's entrusted, okay? But uh, rights are inherent in whatever that asset is, whatever the subject matter is, okay? And rights arise out of ownership of a thing okay and that doesn't and it doesn't matter whether that that thing is you yourself or your stuff okay rights arise out of ownership of a thing they're exclusive to the owner to the exclusion of all others I'll say it again rights arrive out of ownership of, of a thing or of the res okay they're exclusive to the owner to the exclusion of all others. Only owners can give permission or make rules for a thing that they own, okay? If, uh, if I own a car and, I want, and you want me to lend it to you, I can give you permission or a license to use it, okay? Because I am the owner of the thing. So only the owner can get, I can't give you the, the right to use my neighbor's car. I can't give you the right to use my friend's car, I can only give you rights to use something that is mine, or permission, not rights, excuse me, permission to use something that's mine, license to use something that's mine. So rights are exclusive to the owner of something, okay? Um, let's see, okay. Only owners can give permission or make up rules for a thing, okay? And that's a difference between rights and privileges, okay? Privileges are some, uh, something that an owner gives you, okay? The privilege of using something. And it has to be taken care of based on the rules that the owner sets for it, okay? Well, I hope you're starting to see a little, you know, how this uh, corresponds to the public trust, Okay. Um, and again, the public trust is just a distorted image of the of the private. Okay, so basically, if you're looking at uh, rights and privileges, all right, um, a business owner, okay, versus an employee. Okay, an employee has privileges, right? They they can do certain things. They have responsibilities. The owner 
is the one that tell, makes up the rules, okay? Can say whether or not this person still has a job, the privilege of working, okay? A homeowner, same thing, versus a, versus a renter or a user, okay? A vehicle owner versus a renter or a user. A property owner versus a renter or a user, okay? You versus all others, okay? Do you own yourself? If you own yourself, then you're the only one that can make up the rules for you or decide what the rules over your own life should be. That's the owner's right. So you versus all others. Ownership is the state or relation or fact of, of exclusive rights and control over something else, over something, okay, the res. Ownership involves multiple rights collectively referred to as title, okay? So when you have title, okay, and that title is not split, you are the actual true owner or absolute owner, okay? Title can be separated and held by different parties. When that happens, it's a trust. It becomes a trust, okay? So when you go and you take what you own, you you purchased a vehicle. You have evidence that you are the owner, right? The bill of sale. You take that to the, to the uh, you know, and certificate of title. You're getting the certificate of title, and this is going to be important later on in this discussion. But when you, you get the certificate of title handed over to you along with the bill of sale, the bill of sale is evidence of a transfer of title or ownership, okay, you take the certificate of title, which is not true title, it's, it's beneficial interest or uh, it's, a, it's a, an equitable title. And we're going to get more into that as well. But uh, you take that to the DMV and you can do two things when you get there, okay? You can demand legal title to the property because you have evidence of ownership or you can register it into the public trust, therefore giving your ownership over to the public to be managed. The, tr the title goes to them. They keep it. They retain title to that vehicle because the previous owner didn't have it either unless it was a private party that actually knew what they were doing. Um, but you get, you can choose. And when you give that uh, certificate over to them and you choose to register that vehicle, you're giving it to them to be trustees over that vehicle. The, the title remains split, okay? They're retaining legal title, which is why they can make up the rules for how your property that you just gave them will be used, okay? You entrusted it to them. You, you made them your trustee over that property. Now they can decide who can use it, how it can be used, uh, when it can be used and uh, what permissions need to be given uh, or, or to have in order to use it. So you're basically giving up ownership rights for uh, beneficial interest or equitable title. Moving on. So um, ownership is a state or relation or a fact of exclusive rights and control over something. Okay. So if you retain ownership, you have exclusive rights and control over the thing that you own. Ownership involves, uh, okay, so the ownership uh, involves multiple rights collectively referred to as title. 
That title can be separated, held by different parties. When that happens, it becomes a trust. And again, it can be registered into a public trust. It can be uh, registered into a private trust, or it can be retained by you as an owner, which gives you ultimate say over how the thing is used. All right. So state ownership or public ownership versus private ownership. Okay. That's that's what you're talking about when you go in there with a with a new vehicle that you just purchased and you have the title. Okay, or the certificate of title. You have the pawn certificate. You can cash that in and get legal title, true ownership, that which will happen is that title, instead of being separated, if you were to go in and, and demand legal title, it becomes absolute title, which is absolute ownership. Okay? You have full control over the property as an owner. You make all rules up against it. Don't have to follow theirs. Okay? Because they're not entrusted with it. It's when you go in and register it with the trust, the public is when you lose all your rights to your own property, which is why when you go into the courtroom and you go, well, that was my, you know, that's my property. Well, they're gonna, they could pull out the administrator there, the, the one acting as judge, is the administrator for the DMV in that case. They're acting as an administrator for the Department of Motor Vehicles. The subject matter is the vehicle itself. Okay? And the subject matter is in the public trust, so they're going to claim jurisdiction. You know, this, this stuff is not hard. It's, I mean, it's actually very, very simple. Uh, and you can allow them to manage it, or you can manage your own affairs, your own property, your own things. Okay, and that includes you. Own it, make it yours, make it a part of you. You, know, you hear me say it all the time. Um, you know, don't just get some document, especially, the, you know, the, the uh, Memorandum of Law and Religious Freedom and... and uh, the judicial notice that I give away all the time. Um, you know, it's a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything. They get lost. If you own it, you make it your own, it becomes a part of you. It's in you. They can't lose that. And, and it allows you to maintain ownership of the information. And you probably heard the term, uh, with ownership comes responsibility. And it's true. Okay? Uh, if you own something, you're responsible for that thing. Okay, it implies management of the thing, stewardship. Um, it's managing your own affairs. If you're the owner, you're managing it. Okay, it's not something that uh, you know just be left alone. Or it can be, you know, it can be misused or you know abused, and you know. But as the owner, you can do whatever you want with it. Okay. All right. So ownership. This is out of the uh, the free dictionary. Okay, ownership, legal title coupled with exclusive right of possession. The full and complete right of dominion over something. Ownership is often considered to be the ultimate residual right that remains after all other rights over a thing have been extinguished. It is the highest claim, ownership. Okay, it's, it's a claim that Nobody else can have, um, you know, except for the owner, okay? If uh, somebody's been renting your property 
and they live there, and, you know, they may live there, they may have possession, um, but they do not have ownership. They can't say what can and can't be done with that property without permission from the owner. And again, look at, look at your property. Who do you have to ask permission to, to, ch to make changes on your own property? And if you have to ask somebody, you don't own it. If you have to ask for a permission or a permit to change something on your property, you don't own it. You're not holding uh, a completed title, okay, or a non-separated title. It's not yours. If you're driving down the road and you're using the vehicle, but you registered it to the state, you are not the owner of it. I can show you very simple proof. You get pulled over, you, you know, you make all your claims, whatever you say, okay? But if their tag is on the back, the state's tag is on the back, they have ownership claim. They have, they're holding legal title, okay? Otherwise, they couldn't, they couldn't go and have your car impounded. They couldn't order a tow truck to come and move your vehicle if they didn't have ownership rights to it. And we give that stuff up. You contract with them. You, you trust them with your stuff. You entrust them with your stuff. You know, if you don't want them muddling in your business, stop doing it. Stop entering into trust with untrustworthy individuals. Ownership is said to be the original, or excuse me, ownership is said to be original, where the owner has uh, brought the property into human control for the first time. So original ownership, okay, is said to be original where the owner has brought the property into human control for the first time. And it says control, okay? Woman has a baby, right? First time that is in human control is when it's born, okay? Even, even inside uh, his mother, it's still in the mom's control, okay? She has ownership of that baby until she fills out that birth certificate and registers it with the state. The title, okay? Giving up ownership for beneficial interest or a right. Um, excuse me, beneficial interest or equitable right. And the equitable right is the right to redeem it from the state. Mama, that power right away. Didn't have to do it in the first place. But we're taught our whole lives, this is how it works. You have to do this and you have to do that. Uh, you're, you're, you're looking for benefits. Okay. Um, benefits belong to the owner. Okay. They can give them out at will or not. Okay. Ownership. Title to property. The right by which a thing belongs to someone in particular to the exclusion of all others. These are just a few of the definitions that I've come across um, in dictionaries here. Here's a legal definition of ownership. The legal relation between a person, okay, a nice person as in uh, legal fiction, okay, and then it could be an individual, a group, a corporation, or a government, okay, and that's what uh, the legal definition says between a person and as person, they define it as individual, group, corporation, or government, and an object. The object may be corporeal, such as furniture, 
or completely the creature of law, such as a patent, copyright, or a corporation. It can be movable or immovable. Okay? So it's funny. If it's a creature of law, okay, who owns it? Who owns it? All right? Because a legal fiction is a creature of law. The unlegus person is a creature of law. Who owns the unlegus person? It's, it's a, again, it's a fiction of law. It's he who created it. Okay? They created that with the birth certificate uh, through the mother's uh, actions of, of entrusting that to the state, the title. She gets a certificate of title back. So when you own something, you have a right to possess it a right to control it, a right to dispose of it, and a right to transfer it to somebody else. So if you own something, you have a right to possess it, a right to control it, a right to dispose of it, get rid of it, and a right to transfer it to somebody else. Absolute ownership is, a, is, a, uh, is an untethered or unattached right to something without relation to anyone else totality, not limited, unconditional. That's absolute ownership. That's what happens when a title um, comes back into one. It's not split. Okay? And in trust terms, um, that absolute ownership is vested in the beneficiary. Okay? I'll say that again. In trust terms, absolute ownership is vested in the beneficiary. They are not absolute owner while it's in trust. Only when the trust is collapsed do they become absolute owner. The, the title goes back into one individual. The interest in, in, the, in that object ownership goes back. It's only vested in one in the beneficiary. Okay. So when title or ownership is split, and I would you can use title and ownership synonymously, Okay, when it is split, a trust is created. That's what happens when ownership is split. All right, when when that title is split, a trust is created. Legal title is held by the trustee. Legal enforces the rules of the grantor. Okay, in a trust, you have the grantor. The grantor creates a trust, makes up all the rules for the trustees and for all the property that's in there. And then the trustee has to basically operate and run the trust, manage the trust, uh, the, or the assets in the trust, for the benefit of the beneficiary. So the beneficiary is the ultimate absolute owner of the assets or the res in the trust. Okay? But the grantor does make up the rules. Okay? So if you're the grantor, when you grant uh, the DMV your car, how come you're not making up the rules for how it can be used, who can use it, things like that, how the trustees have to manage your property? Do you even have that option in the public? And they'll say, yes, you do, because you've got representatives that, that uh, can tell you, uh, you know, <laughs> that will handle your affairs for you, okay, public servants, public trustees. Okay, and, and you get to vote. That's it. That's about as far as your say goes. Okay, 
and uh, they retain legal title or legal ownership. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So they have equitable or beneficial title or beneficial ownership, and that's held by the beneficiary. Uh, when a trust is collapsed, the absolute ownership of the trust, uh, the res, the subject matter, the asset is transferred to the beneficiary, okay, from the trustee and the trust. They become absolute owners at that time, okay, and the, and the grantor and the trustee no longer have any uh, ownership claims over that asset, that subject matter, the res of the trust. At that point, beneficiary becomes absolute owner, sorry. All right, so where no claim of ownership exists, um, then the thing itself retains rights inherently within itself. Okay, it sounds a, <laughs> let me try to explain that a little bit, okay? Um, something that's wild, okay? A, a plant, an animal, um, okay, or an individual living in their natural state, okay? Something that's not tamed, control, <laughs> is, would be considered wild. Okay, something that's unclaimed, not domesticated, retains all its rights within itself uh, to be and do without restriction what it was created to do or be. Okay, so if, uh, for example, uh, uh, wildflowers, all right, until picked and claimed as something owned, the flowers, like, you know, so like, you know, I see flowers, I like them, I pick them, I say, now these are my flowers, okay, and I now own them. I've just claimed them, okay? Now they're not just wildflowers, they're my flowers, okay? So um, those flowers are mine. They, they mean, uh, excuse me, they remain in the natural state of being, um, so if, if they're not picked, they do remain in their natural state of being wild or being free, okay? Exercising an inherent right to live without being controlled or owned. Okay, we should all be wild. We're not supposed to be controlled or owned. Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, learn from our, you know, from from our mistakes, from from uh, our experiences. Um, but we're not supposed to be controlled. Nobody likes to be controlled. Uh, look at a child. You know, no child, you know, from the point where they're, you know, talking and, and walking, wants to be controlled at all, and they fight it all the way through. Until they're able to manage their own affairs, though, they have to be controlled. They have to be taught. You know, and until they are, they are the parent's property, unless you give them over to the public, the public trust. Okay? So do you have a right to what somebody else owns? Okay? Do I have a right to what my neighbor has over there? Can I make up rules for, you know, what his what you know what he could do with his property, with his house, his cars, you know, his animals, his whatever, you know. Do I have a right to control what somebody else owns? Okay, or a right to it in general? Okay, I can't make rules over it, and I can't control it. I don't have that right. I only have a right to control what's mine. Okay. And if somebody else has a right to control something that's yours, including yourself, then you're owned. If ownership is the exclusive control over something, then you have no right to make rules concerning things that are your uh, concerning those things, unless they're yours. 
So if governments claim to have control over you or your things, what is their ownership position? Something interesting to think about. Are they claiming title or ownership of you or your stuff? If they can claim to make the rules for you, okay, and control what you do or say or have, do you really own it or do they? Okay, so if they're making the claim, okay, the truth is is that they, they may hold legal title or legal ownership because you entrusted it to them, okay? Entrusted yourself, your kids, your stuff to the public trust, okay? And in doing so, okay, uh, basically you are giving up ownership of those things, okay? Um, if you create any trust relationship, usually, usually it is done by a way of registration, um, so if you create any trust relationship with government, you're giving up ownership and your exclusive rights of ownership, including the right to manage and control of the thing that you're entrusting to them. That includes your children, when you register them, your, your car, your properties, all of that. If you register it to them, you're creating a split title and a trust. You're, you're giving ownership the most important part of the the control part of ownership, okay, legal title, you're giving over to them to manage for you. They manage your affairs, both legally and financially, just like a power of attorney. If you were to give somebody a power of attorney, you're giving them basically uh, a blank check to manage your finances and your and your legal uh, your legal push your excuse me your legal persona your legis person. Okay, that's what you're doing. If you do that, okay, you become a ward of the state. Like if you hire an attorney, okay, you hire an attorney because you can't manage your own affairs. You can't handle your own legal issue, okay? You're giving up that right of ownership over yourself to become a ward of the state, okay, because you need somebody to represent you. You're, you're losing ownership of your rights, okay, over yourself when you hire an attorney. And this goes for all of this, you know, I mean, it, it goes for anything that you would claim is yours. So, you know, people do it all the time. Oh, this is my house. This is my car. This is my stuff. Okay. <laughs> when in reality, they only have a beneficial interest and have no idea what ownership is. They believe they own it. But then they allow government to control it and manage it and make up rules for it. It's not true ownership, what they're talking about. <clears throat> they get beneficial use, so they get a warm, fuzzy feeling because they get to drive it around town. But the second they step out of line, boom, the real owner stands in, smacks them in the head, and gives them a fine. So <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're making those relationships, if you're, if you're registering your stuff into the public trust, you're creating a split title and you're not really holding anything of value because you can't transfer ownership with just beneficial title or equitable title, okay? Hold on one second here because I'm going to get to that. Okay, so um, basically you're giving up ownership and your exclusive rights of ownership, including 
the right to manage or control the thing. Okay? Title gets split, trustee gets little legal title, you get beneficial interest in the res or equitable interest in the res. Now this is the this is the definition of equitable title. Okay? And this is out of one of their law law dictionaries, okay? It is a beneficial equitable title is a beneficial interest in something that gives the title or certificate holder a right to acquire legal title to the thing, to the res. Equitable title holders can't transfer legal title to real property. I will say that again. Equitable title holders can't transfer legal title to real property. But they do derive benefits from the property's value. Okay? But you can't transfer it because you're not holding legal title. So you can go back and, and demand legal title, collapse the trust, and become absolute owner of the thing. Then you could transfer legal title wherever and whenever you want. But you gave that up when you registered it with them to be entrusted to them to manage on your behalf and control on your behalf. You basically are, are applying, begging them to do so when you apply <laughs> at the DMV or at the title office or, you know, the tax office when you're registering your real estate. So in real estate law, equitable title refers to a person's right to obtain, a person's right to obtain full ownership of a property or a property interest. It's often contrasted or used in conjunction with legal title. So equitable title refers to a person's right to get full ownership. So if you're holding legal title or a certificate of title, you're holding the pawn slip to the property that you own. All you got to do is go turn it in, try, collapse for trust, and, and then regain true, absolute ownership over the property that is yours. Nobody can tell an owner what they can and can't do with something. Hope you guys are getting this. Almost done. <laughs> I really am done. Uh, legal title is actual ownership, is the actual ownership of a thing, which is why you can't transfer real property with just beneficial interest title. Okay? And that's why the state always tries to maintain uh, or retain legal title to everything that we, you know, think we own. Okay? Because that allows them to continue controlling and managing it. And I'll end with this. Stop letting them manage your own affairs. <laughs> you know, become a true owner. Be a good trustee, good steward of the things that are entrusted to you. And stop pushing that over to criminals who, who are really just using it to, to benefit off of something, you know, that everybody else. And, and they don't have a right to do it. They really don't have a right to do it. You give them that right when you, you know, when you, uh, when you register it with them. And we're taught our whole lives that, oh, yeah, we've got to register our vehicles, and then we have to go get licenses, and we've got to register ourselves at 18 to selective service, you know, as, as a guy. <laughs> and it's funny because, at, you know, at 18 is, is pretty much the standard age of, uh, of uh, excuse me, age of consent, 
okay, or the age of uh, majority, okay, the age where you can make your own uh, decisions and, and manage your own life, and they want you to register for selective service right away, making you an, a, a, a ward of the state, government property. Anybody that's ever been in the military will tell you that they are property of the government. <laughs> Everything that they beat into you is that you're property of the government. Okay? Property's owned. You're owned. Anyway, that's about all I got for this subject today. I haven't slept much in the last, uh, oh, four or five days because my dog's sick and is literally going out to the bathroom every hour or so. Um, his liver is uh, not working so well, so he's drinking a lot. Anyway, I'm going to open it up uh, early today. We've got quite a few people on the line. I'm going to open it up to questions, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep the show going. Does anybody have any questions, either on, you know, the subject matter we've been talking about or uh, any other legal issue that you want to discuss? Don't all speak Hi, at once. I have a question. Okay. All right, one at a time. Who, uh, who do we got there? This is Scott in uh, uh, oh, Mario. Arkansas. Well, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, hey. Scott. Uh, hey, you know, Scott. collapsing the trust. I, 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 I completely can wrap my head around that. I, I, I comprehend exactly what you're saying, and uh, it's it's actually rather simple. Um, so, how does one collapse the, the trust regarding their 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 offspring and and their birth things? Is that something that uh, the offspring have to do once they reach the age of consent? No. Well, um, <laughs> again. A parent who is the one that was the grantor of that trust to begin with can collapse it at any time. Um, once a person is over the age of 18, they can collapse it themselves. Okay. So if you've reached the age of major, uh, majority, you can go in and collapse it yourself. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to wait till then. If you're competent to manage your own affairs at 15 or, or I've been on my own since I was 13 years old. So, you know, uh, I, I made up my own rules. I had my own apartments. I did my own thing. Um, you know, and I, I collapsed that trust with my parents because I didn't live with them anymore. I managed my own affairs. So, again, you know, it's not really, you know, it, again, you don't have to look to their rules or, or their what they consider age of majority even. Because if, you know, if you own yourself, you don't have, you know, you're not answering to them anyway. The only reason they believe that they have authority over is you, over you, is because they believe they're the trustee that would, you know, and you're the property that was put in the trust in the first place. If that makes sense. that help, Scott? Yes, that does. That does make sense. That's great. Thank you. You're welcome. If... Um, if I could jump, if I could jump in real quick on on something Scott said, um, to view how they look at it like an individual, and they bring up infant and person and everything. And again, I agree with David about not using, you know, their codes and statutes and all that for your benefit, uh, but so you can understand how they're looking at it through a legal standpoint. Um, and I can't quote this, but uh, go to. Uh, the U.S. Code uh, Title I, Section 8, 
Um, and, and that's going to define a lot there on uh, what an individual is. And they go back into basically an individual is an infant. Um, and uh, that will probably help you in, in the understanding of what's going on with what you questioned there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and any time you're dealing with them anyway, when I, when I say them, the state or, or government or the public, and you're doing so in documentation or in paperwork, always, or even if you're doing it in person, you, you always define your terms so that they, they're not ambigu you know, ambiguous and that they can't, uh, you know, define the word that they, the way they want to. You know, a word means what you say it means, not what somebody else perceives it to mean. So the more, you know, the more um, uh, defined that you make it, you know, the harder it is for them to turn those words into into legal babble. Thanks, Chad, for sharing that, though, by the way. Anybody else have any questions? Hello? I hope I didn't lose the call. <laughs> Somebody at least <laughs> say something. Let me know I'm still here. <laughs> All, right. All right. Did I hear? Did I hear somebody uh, say Mario was was somebody else uh, trying to ask a question? Okay. Well, this is uh, Joe Fallon in Texas. Hey, I Joe. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining in. Did you have a question or uh, well, I'm not something sure what you'd the like the to topic was tonight, but I was wanting to know more. I heard you mention on a recording that I was listening to um, about property filing instead of registering it. Um, sure. Is that having to do with property tax, or is, what does it really have to entail with? Well, again, when uh, are, are you familiar with, with patent law at all? <laughs> uh, I mean, not enough to be dangerous. Okay. Well, when you when you patent something, it's like a new idea or something that's yours. Okay, um, to the exclusion of all others. So like a land patent, okay, the original owner, the first one that, you know, claimed that piece of property, um, files a land patent or a claim, okay, and they stake it out and they file it, okay, and they're filing it. Um, they're not registering it. They file it, okay. It's just there so that if anybody is looking and they come across the, the, the you know, the latitude and longitude of this section of land, it shows that it's already, you know, it's owned by somebody. Somebody's got a claim against it, okay? It's a big difference now, and it does have a lot to do with uh, whether or not you're paying taxes because a patent, a land patent or a claim, um, if you do, um, okay, a lot of folks will go and they'll do a uh, quiet title action, okay? And that is to say that I have the highest claim, and I'm making this claim, and anybody who thinks they may have a claim, come bring your evidence, okay? 
And if it's undisputed, you have the highest claim on your property to the exclusion of all others. Okay, that's your quiet title action. So when you go in and you register your property, okay, you register it, not record it, okay, like a land patent, you register it, you are creating a trust. They're going to give you a certificate of title or beneficial or equitable title in the property and retain legal title, right? That means they're going to tax you, which is their uh, fees for managing your property, okay? And then they're going to require you to get permission to make any changes to that property, right? You've got to go back and ask the owner's permission if things can be changed because by you registering it, you're creating a trust with the public, with the government, to manage that property for you. So when you collapse your trust with, the, you know, concerning that asset, you, re, you will regain uh, um, absolute ownership. And that's what we've been talking about tonight. So good question coming into this without hearing the topic tonight. So I hope that helps. Awesome. Well, yeah, but I mean, so as far as, I mean, is there, you know, access to uh, information on how to go about doing those things? I mean, are there anybody, is there anybody yet showing evidence that they're having success with, you know, doing this type of a process that, you know, that the county or the state, you know, is backing off? Well, I, uh, I don't own any property right now, but I do own... Uh, an RV, which I've traveled all around the country with my own plates, and I claim ownership of my property, okay? It's not registered with any public trust, okay? Have I been right. pulled over? Absolutely. Have I been even charged with no insurance, you know, failing to, you know, uh, render unto Caesar what Caesar believes is his? Absolutely. Have they been... Uh, successful in prosecuting me ever? No. Right. Because I am the owner. I'm the owner. I didn't ask you to manage my affairs. I manage my own affairs. Are you trying to claim that you are a trustee over my property or over me for that matter? See, the problem is, is that we're all brought up to believe that this is legitimate, that government has a right to make up these rules for us. Nobody has a right to make up rights and rules for anything that they don't own. And a, and a true owner, you know, retains full control to the exclusion of all others. It's, that's, and, and it's recognized in their rules. So if you're, if you're still looking at, you know, and I, and, I, and I hear in the way that you asked the question that, you know, has anybody gotten remedy or, you know, I don't look at remedies. I live free. I don't, I don't look, you know, I don't need a remedy because nobody has a right in any of the stuff that is mine. So my remedy is, is, you know, being able to question their subject matter jurisdiction over me or my stuff, because that would, that would imply that they are the trustee over me and my stuff in the first place. And they're not. And I'd be happy to question that all day in court, any court anywhere in this country. And I guarantee you, they're not going to railroad me, especially if there's anybody, uh, you know, other than government agents in the courtroom. 
because they can't just railroad over you. They can't just say, well, I, I own this property, right? You get pulled over on the side of the road, and they go, and go, well, you don't have a license. You don't have a registration. You didn't register your property into the public trust. Uh, you know, so the, even in their own claim, they're claiming that it's never, it hasn't been done. Or your license is suspended or revoked or whatever. Well, if, if my permission is revoked, <laughs> okay, then we no longer have a contract. They have to operate right. either under, okay? So if, if they have to operate under a contract, they're a business and they're a trust. They're both. They operate like a business under, under uh, uh, Clearfield Trust Doctrine, if you want to. If you want to look at some, you know, they, they, they even admit it to themselves that if the government is acting uh, like a business, okay, accepting and, and providing services, utilizing currency, then they become nothing more than a business or a corporation, a legal fiction. Okay, they're not a government. But they still are, are you know, <laughs> they're operating a trust, which is why they can claim that you violated the rules of that trust. That's what's going on when you go into the courtroom, especially for traffic tickets. If you go in there, they're saying that you entrusted your property to the DMV, and the DMV has rules. And you have to follow those rules because you no longer are the owner. You've just given over your property to them in trust. Title is split. You get equitable, they hold legal. This is all trust law. This is all that is. And without being a trustee over my property, that means they have no subject matter jurisdiction. Only the trustee of a property has subject matter jurisdiction or the owner of a property has subject matter jurisdiction. And that's why I say the trustee is legal only. The, the uh, ownership, if you own it outright, you have legal title and equitable title in one. It's not split. There's no trust there. You're holding both, you know, both sides of the, uh, of the, uh, the title. It's not a split. That's true ownership. So you get to make up the rules. So only the owner can make up the rules over something. And well, I mean, and their whole world is based on stuff. And that makes sense. I, I, I'm totally tracking with you. But my question, or I, another question I would have is, okay, well, if I'm not buying brand new, like a brand new vehicle, um, right. or I'm buying land, you know, I, I don't know of any land that exists, you know, right now that doesn't have somebody's claim on it. So in other words, I'm buying land from somebody. How Correct. do I, you use the word remedy, and I guess maybe that's the only proper word for it, but how do I, you know, because everybody else is going to expect and anticipate uh, using real estate brokers and stuff like that, yeah. agents. And so how do yeah. you make a land purchase and say, hey, look, I'm giving you gold, silver, yada, yada. I'm buying this, you know, we're just going to set up a, you know, a written bill of sale. I mean, I mean, or, or in a vehicle. I mean, I could, if you buy a new you vehicle, could, yes, uh, you and a written the... bill of sale is a transfer. That's evidence of a transfer of equitable interest. It, you can go from that point once you have that title. Okay, the equitable title, which is not full title, because legal title still retained by the state, right? Right. 
because most of the properties that you're going to buy, I'll give you an example. My neighbor right here, his family has owned hundreds of acres as far as you can see around here. Now they own about, I don't know, 50, 100 acres. But the property still remained in trust. They're not taxed. They don't, you know, they, there's no covenants with the government. They have uh, cars. This looks like a junkyard behind their house. Um, you know, but nobody can say anything. They've got two car lots there that are trust businesses that they don't ask permission to run. Okay. They live in trust, and they have, their family has for, you know, a couple hundred years right here in Montana where I'm at. So there is no asking permission because it's never been registered with them, with the state. Okay. The property that they have has never been registered with the state. When you go out and you look for property, most of the properties you're going to find are registered with the state. So all is that certificate of title, okay? Like when you get a car, you get a bill of sale, which is evidence of the transfer, right, of ownership, interest. A bill of sale is of interest in something, okay? Now, it doesn't, you are, you don't become the owner until you go and you get, okay, redeem that legal side of the title and make it, you're collapsing the trust, Okay, when the, so as long as there's still a trust there, they still retain legal title. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read because I don't know if you you, you said you weren't on here uh, for the discussion. Um, this is what we were discussing. So equitable title, and I'll give you the descript uh, the uh, definition. Equitable title is a beneficial interest in something that gives the title or certificate holder a right to acquire legal title to whatever the thing is, okay? Equitable title holders can't, cannot transfer legal title to real property, okay? But they have the right to go and acquire the legal title, which that would give them the right to transfer real property. All that you're buying when you go to a real estate broker and you're dealing with these lawyers that are trained to put everything into the public trust, right? When even when you <laughs> you're a resident, okay, okay, you're you're the beneficial owner or the beneficial user of something, okay, because all they're transferring you is an interest in the thing, not the thing itself. They're retaining management of that thing in the public trust. But if you hold beneficial or equitable title, which is the title that you get, right, if you have a car or a house, you can, it's a pawn flip. Nobody goes and takes it to the court or to the, to the office that's entrusted with the actual title and goes, hey, here's my pawn flip, here's the, my beneficial interest evidence, and I demand that the trust be collapsed and, and my, you know, legal title be um, you know, be 100% vested in me as the beneficiary. They don't do it. People don't do it. They're very happy and, and because nobody's ever taught them how to do it. And you can go, if you have the title to your vehicle or the certificate of title to your vehicle, go to the DMV, okay, take the definition of equitable title and perform the action of collapsing the trust and demanding the legal title to it. What happens when you go and you move to another state with your car, okay? 
you go and they tell you, you've got to register that car here within 30 days. And the reason they say that is because they have no legal authority over it if it's not registered to them. None. So you register it to them. They contact the previous legal title holder, the state that you moved from, and they transfer that behind the scenes, remaining, retaining legal title in the government, in the public trust. But you can just as easily go in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm the beneficial title holder. I want legal title. I want to collapse the trust and have absolute title or absolute ownership of my property. And you have every right to do so as the equitable title holder. Does that make sense? Hey, David. Yes. If um, back to like uh, land, um, if if you do all that instead of being in parcels or lots uh, or blocks, you know how they the legal description. Um, do, do you feel it's necessary to get it into like meets and bounds? Um, actually, I would have it described as part of an estate, okay, rather than a state. Because as an estate or in a private trust, okay, <laughs> that, that provides you instead of, okay, with ownership, re, uh, ownership requires responsibility, right? Why not own it in trust? And this is exactly why, you know, all these – You've probably heard the term, own nothing, control everything. Well, because ownership is liability, not just responsibility. And if you put that in trust, you're giving, you know, the liability and the responsibility over to whoever the trustee is of the trust. But that trustee is also protected by the trust, very very much like judges, cops, and, and, and politicians are you know, limiting liability because, hey, you know, we're just, you know, doing our job. <laughs> and, I, and that's, um, it's an important thing. So, yeah, I would turn it over to an estate, okay, and that makes it more private. This way, your name's not on it. Yeah, and, and I, I I'm, I'm more getting at does using their terminology, the legal terminology of, uh, you know, a parcel, a lot, a block, uh, whatever it may be, does that give them joinder then to that property, being you're describing it in their fashion um, or their legal yeah. system, or should it be actually done in meets and bounds? Well, I would, again, I would have it described as the estate of whatever you want it to be called. Right? A man's house is his castle. <laughs> And, and that's that. That all came about, you know, after after uh, you know serfdom, okay, where, where, you know where they were using trusts. This is where trust came out of England. You know, it did away with that that uh, that serf relationship. You become a trustee. That 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 property is yours, entrusted to you to manage how you see fit. Okay, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but again, it's just like you know the the property of the United States on on uh, all the soldiers' clothing, right? <laughs> they they put property of U.S. government or property of U.S. Marines or whatever. Okay, 
they're making a claim to that property. They're, they're packaging it, okay, and, and putting a sign up saying, this is property of the government. So whoever's wearing it is property of the government. Same thing as defining your property. Okay, you it's yours. You're the owner. You define it however you want. So you want to do it in, you know, uh, based on um, latitude and longitude, you could do that. Um, you know, point to the boundaries of what your claim is. That's not a horrible way to do it because, you know, everybody uh, in any country is going to recognize latitude and longitude, okay? And it's very easy to um, – but you can use that as your description uh, from this point latitude to this point latitude and from this point latitude to this point longitude and so forth until you've got your the boundaries of your property um, defined, Okay. But then you can call it, you know, Chad Danistan or whatever you want to call it, you know. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. It's your estate. Whatever the trust you want it into is called, that's your, your choice. Yeah. That, that made sense to my question when you said basically back to, uh, you know, when it's yours, you can describe it how you want. And I mean, as long as it's yeah. clear, then they definitely see that. Right. I mean, and that goes right back to the birth certificate, right? They figure out what your mom and dad are going to call you, right? And then they create a business or a legal fiction, a corporation, uh, an enlegious person with the same exact name for the purpose of creating joinder for control and to also steal legal titles, separate the title. Right? Oop, the titles match up. Here's the all caps one, and here's the uh, the normal one, upper and lower case. Okay? The two together are what? True owners. And they're claiming to be the trustee, but then they try to put you off to be the trustee because you're the holder in due course. Right? And then they say, oh, you broke the rules of the trust. Now you owe us a fine. Or you need permission to use it, including yourself. So yeah, it's um, ownership is everything, and that's really what we've been talking about this, you know, tonight. This this whole um, discussion tonight earlier is on ownership, and it really does mean that if you own it, you can name it whatever you want, Chad. <laughs> I guess it's that simple. Yeah, I, I get that. Now. Yeah, the, the the more detail you describe it, the easier it is to to make your claim when somebody challenges it. Yeah, so, I mean, you you could do it in, in their language, the parcel, lots, whatever. You could do it in meets and bounds, and you could do it in latitude and longitude. Sure, because if those are things that they do recognize. I would use latitude and longitude because parcel, you know, uh, usually has to pertain to the original city planning or county yeah. planning or, you know, municipality planning and they parcel out everything around for territorial jurisdiction purposes. You know, it's kind of like putting a, a mailbox at your house and then getting the service of having mail delivered to you instead of general delivery at the post office, which everyone is entitled to, right? But not everybody's entitled to home delivery. So they do use that to claim jurisdiction. So why would you use their description? So I just, I would stay away from that, you know. Name it whatever you want. Name it your own, you know, whatever the name of your trust is, but define it. 
in detail. So it, there's no, you know, there, there's no ambiguity. You, the way you've defined it, I can come to your property without ever seeing it and go, yep, this is Chad's stuff. This is where he is. This is his, this is his property. Because it's so well defined, it's, it's, it's undisputable. And, you know, back, and I know I've said this on the call before, but for new callers, um, what you brought up about the uh, post office box uh, and as compared to home delivery, a, a, a post office box at your address, um, I've been in court when a judge asked the defendant, you know, do you have an address in Minnesota? And he said yes, and he was like, and the guy was challenging jurisdiction. And he said, boom, we got yours. You know, and the guy didn't know what to say to that. So uh, I love it when they, when the judge goes, where do you live? I said, in my body, where do you live? <laughs> you know, how could I live anywhere else? <laughs> my jurisdiction goes wherever I go because I live in my body. And I, I, I'm a sojourner in the land. Okay. I'm a citizen of heaven. But if you want to get technical, I live in my body. This is a temporary dwelling until I go home. This is just how I, you know, this is my belief. And if you uh, haven't gotten a copy of the memorandum of law, uh, memorandum of law on, on religious freedom and my judicial notice, feel free to reach out. That's what that explains. And, again, if you, if you want a copy of them, reach out. I don't charge anything for them. Uh, get a hold of me at uh, my email, which is the letter A, free man in Babylon at gmail.com. You can go to the website and get a hold of me and ask me for it, uh, bulletproofsolutions.org. Uh, you can get me on Facebook, David Horowitz, or on the podcast page for Facebook is uh, How to Win in Court Without a Liar. So at any one of those, you can reach out to me and say, hey, can you send me the memorandum and judicial notice, and I'd be happy to send it to you. But that's what it explains. It explains who I am, who I'm not, you know, <laughs> and I'm the owner of me. Actually, I'm not, but <laughs> I, I do have my free will, and I do, you know, I do decide on what law is mine, okay, because I do own myself. I have the right to decide how I'm going to manage my affairs, Okay. And, and again, nothing that they're doing is supposed to be done through threats and force and, and all of that, okay? Acts of violence, initiation of violence, none of that's legitimate. But that's 99% of what the state provides is, is, you know, consent through force or threat of force. That voids it all, all of its legitimacy out from get-go, okay? So it's all supposed to be voluntary, Go through the IRS codes. There's no requirement, unless you're a corporation, that you have uh, to pay taxes. None. It's all voluntary. <laughs> hey, don't believe me. Go read it for yourself if you want to spend the time in that nonsense. Okay? I've read it. <laughs> I've read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massively boring read of some pious idiots thinking that, you know, <laughs> they should have a, a portion of whatever is yours. And they're nothing more than a collection agency for the government, for, you know, for, for the debt that's supposedly owed. So 
I hope I answered the question and all of that rambling. <laughs> Do we have any other questions? None. I had one. All right. Who do we got here? This is Corey from North Dakota. Hey, Corey. How are you? Very good. How are you? Um, good. I went and tried to uh, get my title from the DMV, and they all kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I like, just kind of walked with it. <laughs> so so what, who did, did you just go in and try to talk to a clerk? Yeah. 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 And the lower the levels, they're, they're nothing more than a tiny little, you know, part of the whole. <laughs> and, and usually they have no idea what you're talking about. You know, they know enough right. to collect their, their fees and that's about it. You, you know, you're better off notifying, you know, notifying the, um, the um, director of the DMV for your state, okay, with notice right. of private trust. And notice of ownership, you know that you that you are the, you know the equitable title holder, and that uh, basically you are um, turning in that equitable title for legal title, true ownership. You're collapsing the trust between you and the DMV because you no longer trust them to manage your affairs over your property. Right. There's another that they have time to What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that they, you know, you give them a very short time to respond and make the the required changes, but that they will no longer retain legal title, and they have to recognize that because you have equitable title. Right. Yeah, and I was just saying there was another time I was in a junkyard, scrapyard, and I was I was noticing on titles there was like blue title, green title, red title, you know all the original title paper, but they all had different ink printings on them. So I don't know if that had any difference in them. And then, and also when back in the day when they used to race, they used to always race for the pink slip. And that's kind of like, you know, right. You know, like that's proof that I own that car before there was titles, you know. Correct. Well, that pink slip was a, a, you know, it was uh, evidence of uh, uh, equitable interest in the property because it was still registered at the state level. Right. Yeah, pink slips, absolutely. (laughs) Same thing, equitable title. It's it's, it's a certificate of beneficial interest in whatever the subject matter is. In this case, the vehicle. Right. Yeah, and and you'll probably, you know, if you go to the, the director, okay, and you send them notice with, you know, uh, supported by affidavit, and you know you're demanding basically that uh, legal title be um, given up by the or by the state to the equitable title holder. Trust is being collapsed. It's no different than what they do when you move to another state and then you register the vehicle with the new state. They pass that title down to them. They don't hold it. You're asking for the, you're asking for them to do that and turn over true title to you or legal title to your trust privately. Right. Which is a totally different estate. What's that? (laughs) Right. I was going to say it. And also I paid insurance on this uh, vehicle for like 10 years because I had a loan on it. 
and I right. canceled my insurance for one, or when I got this place I'm in, living in now, I canceled the insurance no more than a year, and a tree destroyed it, <laughs> and I only had liability oh. on it. So, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I wish I would have had a bond or made my own bond so I could have, you know, at, at least have some <laughs> have value in that insurance that I've been paying for the last 10 years, you know. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I never say that. I never say that insurance is a bad thing. I just, I just think that it's a choice. I mean, you could choose right. to be responsible for the, you know, for damages to yours or somebody else's vehicle yourself, or you can use an insurance company to do it for you. It's not a horrible thing. It's not some evil construct. It's, you know, if somebody else wants, you know, is willing to take the liability for a couple of bucks. Sure, it's not a horrible idea. It's just like a bond. Right. I would have been better off putting my money in the bond, so, you know, so at least I would have Yeah, no, absolutely, because at least this way you're retaining the, uh, you're retaining the, uh, you know, the payment, the premium payments. Right. I just, and now I'm, now I drive around with tags and, and insurance, so I, at least I'm, you know, covered by the law and I don't have to get harassed by the, you know. True, but again, they can change that law anytime they choose. They can pick and choose what things that, that, that violate their rules, okay, and they can hold you accountable for it. Even right. that violates is a breach of trust for holding you accountable as the beneficial interest holder because you don't have a fiduciary responsibility over that subject matter. They do. Or it's right. in the first place because they're trying not to have any liability over the, the the very thing that they're supposed to have liability over because that's what's supposed to keep them honest. Right. This should have been covered under skin. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. No, we're the trustees. We have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that this car is gassed up and running right the way you want it to be for your beneficial interest, Mr. Beneficiary. No, they go, go get insurance and you've got to buy it. We don't right. want to be liable should, for anything. It should be... Uh, fixed, free, and clear, you know, right up. Of course. Right. I'm, <laughs> right. I've been driving they want around to claim to be the trustee ago. over it. They're supposed to keep up maintenance, gas, keep it nice and clean and smelling nice for when you get in it. it it's the way you'd like to be, you know, benefiting from it. <laughs> Instead, exactly. they force rules on you to become liable. Oh, that's a nightmare, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a nice scam, and they and they train you for twelve years to fall for it at least that long. Can I ask what part of North Dakota you're in, Corey? Um, Central Bismarck and Mandan. Okay, okay. I'm in. I wish I'm in North people like Right on. I know I'm kind of like spot in the middle of you two, and then I wish there was like more like-minded people like closer in my area and whatever. I just don't want to get into this like single-handedly and you know <laughs> officers don't have body cams around here and i don't want to get mouthy i like to ask questions but you know still you feel like you're being mouthy so i don't well, know if you're peaceful if you're peaceful and it, what you're saying is lot this is why i like using the notice i don't have to say a word other than you've been served read this don't ask me any questions until you're done if you don't understand it we need to get your boss out here because they're going to be liable as well for anything that you do in action against me. If you don't understand it, call your lawyer. 
because it will be used against you in a court of law. It's material evidence at this point. Yeah, and, and it's I've easy. Been... You're not being, yeah, you're not being uh, aggressive. You're just, hey, you've been served. It's, it's, it's legal for what they're doing. <laughs> you know, it is a good response to what they're doing. And uh, it puts you in the driver's seat. What they're like trying to, to do is start you noticed. Right. That's what they're trying they're to do, right? right? They're trying to serve you notice. That, stuff, that car is entrusted to us, and you need to do what we say. Otherwise, we can fine you. That's the notice that he's trying to give you as a cop. So okay. when they walk up to the car, you hand them the notice, and you say, you've been served. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that you do or say can be held against you in a court of law. This is material evidence, and it's also a letter from your boss. So I go get the reading, and let me know if you have any questions. Or better yet, contact your lawyer if you have any questions. All right. All right. If you're not competent to manage your affairs, you might need a lawyer. <laughs> you know? All right. And most of these cops are not competent to, under, you know, to, to be enforcing laws that they don't even know what they are. Yeah, my ex, no idea my ex, uh, she's a, go ahead. I'm, I was just no, going to say most of them don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of them don't even know where they get their own authority from. They, they believe it's their boss, you know, whoever's their immediate supervisor and up the line of, of, of you know, the, what is it, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, chain, of, chain of command, you know, all the way up to the top which is why this notice is great, because the memorandum that goes along with it is from the Attorney General written in 2017. And again, if anybody doesn't have it and wants it, get a hold of me by email, and I'm happy to send it to you. Um, we had uh, Yuri, and I don't know if he's on the line tonight, but uh, he just did this. He just used it, and they dismissed his case in uh, Colorado a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I'm here, David. Right, David? That's After what? about three years of fighting. What's that? What, wasn't it after about three years of fighting? No, no, no. He, um, it was about seven months, uh, but he did, or six months, and, and seven different motions that were denied. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? Yep. Is that Yuri? Yeah, this is Yuri. I've been listening for hey, about 20 minutes. Hey, you can tell your own story. <laughs> how, did, how, does the, yeah. how does the notice work? It, it worked. I mean, in some ways, yeah, it helped. How about that? It, just, it helped. It definitely helped. Uh, I changed a few things. Do you, do you think they would have dismissed the case if, you had, if they hadn't gotten it? I can't say. I can't say. Um, I can say, because uh, if you remember, I told you that uh, when I spoke to her for the last time, but when, uh, when, I, uh, when I charged him 2500 for my, uh, for my uh, uh, time, you know, all that time I spent yeah. fraudulent uh, claim and for the action they brought against man, man and uh, they only offered me 500 um, which I accepted. 
you know, I just went and got it. I just went. But also she told me, I tried to open a common court. Uh, remember I told you I filed a lawsuit against them, a man or a woman, you know, not a right. neighbor, so on. And she told me, she, she asked me, um, why didn't I, no, she asked me um, something about the church that I could go, um, why, because I tried to go through the church. Um, okay. And uh, she asked me, why, do, why did I go through the church? And I said, well, that would be my jurisdiction, like God's authority, you know what I mean? There you go. There you go. And uh, the only problem with this, the churches are all, she told me, well, it, she didn't say much, but if, remember I, I emailed you, and uh, she tried to tell me they're all registered with the Secretary of State, and they follow certain jurisdictions. <laughs> and so it's hard to find a church where, you know, common people... <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's not because the church isn't a building, Yuri. You're the church. You're the body of Messiah. So if you have two or three others that are of the body of Messiah, you have got a court, and you also have witnesses that, that, that establish a matter. Two or three witnesses establishes a matter in law. So, and, and we've public, our private, uh, we've held uh, private adjudications. Well, I knew that, but it's just hard to find people, you know, who, who understand this. Well, Wait, so you've got, that did you've got a bunch of people on this call, and you're always welcome to contact me. I'm sure we could rustle up a few witnesses and put together a, a, a jury of your peers. So a jury well, now that acts of any case. Well, now that I know, I definitely got to do that. That's the first thing. Anytime it happens something to me, I'm going to contact everyone and just uh, send them some paperwork and affidavits and just start doing this the right way, and I think it'll work. And also, you know, you talked about uh, the MSO, you know. I went, you know how I got my, I never got mine because they shredded, but they, they sent send back my uh, affidavit with the stamp and um, bill of sale, the copy of bill of sale that happened, and they gave it back to me. They, so I couldn't find mine. It's because my car is 2008, right? And uh, so yeah, I did. I I sent the I sent paperwork to Department of Transportation, DMV Director and Secretary of State. I just noticed her. And Very that's good. It. And then, I, and then they asked me to come in. I made an appointment because of COVID. I went in. I gave her back the title. She looked at it and she gave me the bill of sale with the signature and gave me back the letter that I sent it to the director. That's it. And she said, and that's there it. You and go. Yeah, you can't talk now to the you are, Now you have legal title. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I put it, I, put, I made a copy. I put my phone, phone wheel, uh, uh, on my uh, window just in case. Sure. But cops don't, bother, cops don't bother me here anymore. They see me, they don't bother me anymore. So that's, that's good. That's go, the goal. That's the goal. It's not about the cash. It's about freedom, to be able to go and, and exercise your ownership rights. That's what it's all about. Yes, may I? And you're, may I? You're, 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 go ahead. I'm listening. No, I was wondering if... Oh, sorry. Ahead, I'm sorry. Did somebody have a question for Yuri? Is that what that is? I, I, yeah, I just wanted to ask Yuri what part of Colorado he's on. Oh, there you go. Oh, 
I am I am west. I'm in Arvada, Colorado, west of Denver. Okay. Yeah, I'm down closer to Colorado Springs. Uh, uh, are you, yeah, you're not. Are you, are you participating in any of the Colorado assemblies or any of that stuff? Uh, no, no, I no, I never did that. No, okay. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn about. I, was, I I will now. I want to. You know, I had a. I by, I by mistake I gave my email address. Not that I care, but so I got a lot of emails from people with phone numbers. So I called a few people. Okay. Okay. Well, there's there's uh, uh, there's two different Colorado assemblies. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll find that. Yeah. I'd love to talk to people's mind like you know because I'm tired of you know zombies. That's only sheeple, you know. Well, you have you have some good knowledge and experience that uh, would benefit a lot of people. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. And again, this is what this forum is about. It's a, it's about helping each other to to you know be able to beat them at their own game because it really is. I mean, they've corrupted the game so much that when you're looking for remedies, you know, when you're when you're looking for remedies, okay, you shouldn't have to have any. I mean, there's there's no reason to, to um, you know, to have 20 remedies. If, if if you're sick and this medicine works, it should work the same for everybody. Well, when it's corrupt, it doesn't. You may get, you get lucky. Yeah, you may get lucky in one jurisdiction or one court with one yeah. judge, and the very next day, doing the very no. same thing. Somebody else yep. is going to lose because, you know, oh, yeah. the remedy is, uh, is dependent upon corrupt individuals, corrupt trustees uh, that are breaching that trust every single day. Well, sometimes you just want a relief, not a remedy, more like a relief, you know, just going to, I hear a lot of people looking for remedies, you know, but sometimes yeah. you just need a little relief, you know. Right. And, um, and, well, it's easy to, when you leave a place, right? So if you get out of Babylon, if you're not a party to Babylon anymore, and, Bar- and Babylon has no uh, subject matter jurisdiction over you anymore, that's all the relief you need. That's you're right. Free to be I, the owner of your own life. Yep. I've heard a lot of people trying to get out of it with still register their driver. If they want to find a way where you have a driver's license and you know attachments. And they want to be left alone. Like they want to be, it's a, it's almost like impossible. I mean, it's like how are you going to do it? What are you going to? Go? I mean, I don't know. Well, you can't. You can't if you're if you're if, you know if you're entrusting your stuff to the public, you just can't. Yeah. So you want a license? Fine. Put your property in a trust. Register it to that trust, and become the trustee, and then give yourself a license or permission to use the property in your documents. That's right. You know, I don't sh- yeah. You know, also insurance is good, but like you can find insurance with someone else. You don't have to find insurance companies. You can just go through the church memberships on people who have money. You can ask them and stuff. You can make so many contracts with other private people. You know, sure. Um, you know, you, you can, can create like, a bond. <laughs> yes, you can create a bond with with trustees with people. I mean, there's so many ways, and you know. 
it's a lack of knowledge, lack of information, like they say, lack of knowledge. They don't teach you these things. When you tell somebody, they look at you and they're like, it's impossible, unbelievable, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> they read the spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars. the reason why I stopped share, you know, I stopped teaching UCC yeah. codes and IRS codes what? and statutes yeah, and that, codes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could care less. They can make up all the rules they want for themselves, but yes. not for me. Well, I just talked to my my aunt the other day. She drove for 24 years, never had an accident, and she had an accident, and her insurance went up. And I said, how much money did you spend? And she told me, like, that's a lot. Like, I'm talking about thousands upon thousands. And I said, what if I, and I told her, like, you know, I have a, and I tried to explain to her, and it never registered in her mind. She goes, well, how does that work? Who's going to pay for all that? And I'm like, well, are you happy with 24 years, nothing, and then you have some bump in the races? She's like, no, I hate it. There's no way out. And I was like, yeah, there is. And it's like, I wish you gave me all that money. I kept it for you. When you have that bump for like $800, I would give you the 800 bucks and keep all thousands of dollars. You know, right. you know it's, it's simple. But yet, you know, because of cops, you know, that's, that's the only reason. Anybody I ask, fear. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want cops. I don't want to be in jail. I don't want to be in jail. You know, I was like, why do I always have to be in jail? You don't have to be in jail. And if you're in jail, make sure you get paid for it. That's it. Shut your mouth. You get paid. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is you, you know, again, yeah, they should compensate you for, their, for your time, and it should be reasonable, you know? Again, we're yeah. not thieves. We're not thieves. No, we're responsible for our actions. We're requiring them to be responsible for theirs. Yeah. Well, that's why I only go for 100. Other people, come on, you're like, I've heard people charge like, Hundred sixty thousand dollars a day or something. Yeah. Well, if I have to sit, in, like, if I have to sit in a cage, my my rates go way up because I don't want to be well, there. Right. But yeah, you could you could pay me enough to get a cage. You just couldn't. So, you know, I, I and I appeal to them for that. But again, I, I not even appeal to them. I'm I'm going to uh, make that appealing to them to just leave me alone. Let me be the one that got away. Go on about your business. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that believe in your religion that are going to pay you. You're not going to ever get a dime from it, ever. I think that's what they do. They, they see people who try to fight it, and if, if something, and they see they can't really get them, they just like blow, I think, sometimes. You know? and if, oh, as long as you don't get in trouble, you don't, yeah, you don't harm, you don't do anything bad, then you're good, you're fine. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and that's you, why they're leaving you alone now. Go ahead. And if, you, somebody yeah. ask, if you ask for a benefit money out of their system, which is debt note, uh, which is a benefit for not having to pay right then, you just put yourself back into their system by wanting part of their system. Right. What you're trying to do is, again, well, we got some interference there. Um, when you you're absolutely right in, that, in, in this respect. What what happens when you have debt notes or FRNs or Federal Reserve promissory notes in your pocket? Okay, it's a debt owed to you by government. So again, that puts you in as the creditor over the government. Okay, and you could write off stuff against those notes the same way you could go in and, and exchange them for something of that. That's true, but I didn't get paid. I want to be yeah. separate from them. I just want to be separate from them, and that's that's how I live. 
I don't want anything from them. I don't take their, their uh, you know, I'm not taking their, their uh, what is it, uh, <laughs> what do they call it? The, uh, yeah, the they, <laughs> yeah, you talk about the check yeah. from the IRS? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't want anything uh, stimulating me from the government. <laughs> well, this this send you one. I, I, I tore it apart. I just sent it to me because of 2016. Uh, I, I didn't cash it. I tore it up. My brother said, are you kidding me? Yep. You know, but you did the right you thing. Because, because, yeah, if not, you enjoy yeah. the benefit, there's an old legal maxim. If you if you enjoy the benefit, you bear the burden. And uh, They'll come back. Yeah, it's true. Why why seek benefits from them? I, I you know, and again, you're much better off collapsing trust and living separate from them. And this is just my opinion, than trying to figure out what all their rules mean, and they change every day. You know, and trying to live within that that type of a system or that type of a world where it's constant, uh, where where you're in constant um, adversarial state. Why do you want to live? There's no peace there. And I'll tell you what, I have sued, you know, in federal court, the entire state of Montana and built a massive place with tons of evidence. And I wasted a lot of time because the people that I'm suing all play golf together. They all hang out at the same parties and they're all corrupt. So you're not going to really get any justice. And if you really, that's what you're seeking is justice. Then then being left alone and, and being recognized as not a party to their garbage is, is such a better payout than, than some debt that will never get paid by them. Sure, you can trade it for, you know, for things of value now, but, you know, look at, look at uh, what is it, Venezuela. You know, their dollars were laying in the streets. The second it collapses, it's not worth anything. Their debts disappear, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I see yeah, a lot of people using the UCC, they try to, and I've, I, I've even listened to a lot of old videos from like 2007, people tried to do that, never works, they always lose, they always go through courts, filings, all this, it seemed like they're getting trouble, fighting the- they go to jail, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they go to court, to their court and demanding something, I don't, I don't see that, well, when you go to their court, you're giving them jurisdiction to begin with. You're saying, here, please hear my case. And using all the people. I don't want them to have uh, a say over what I'm doing. I'd rather handle it privately between the parties. Hey, you know, sorry, uh, you know, you broke my you broke my car. All I require is that you fix it and make me whole. Just be responsible for your action. That's all. No, people, people, people are not responsible. They're, they're beggars, man. I all see is a bunch of beggars. They, they want something from the. They don't realize there's no government like they think. And that's the problem. They're all waving flags and stuff. And yeah. Well, they don't understand the system. To them, it's all a, you know, it's all patriotism and and rah rah rah, and 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 they don't understand the adversarial nature of that system. It's not there to help them. It's there to, to, to really frustrate them in their life, control them. That's what it's there for. It's not there to benefit you, even though that's what we're told, right? The governments yeah. were created among them to protect their rights. Well, rights are ownership claims. <laughs> Memo- yeah, memorandum rights. Yeah. 
You never do that. <laughs> I like the memorandum rights when they read your, your rights. Like, do you understand? You stand, and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have no idea what they just said. They think that's what it's supposed to say. Right. Only, yeah, and it, it's a threat. It's a fear from cops. Cops staying there like, you understand? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you understand? Absolutely oh, not. Oh, I don't have a clue what you're saying because it's totally illogical. No, well, it's crazy. <laughs> Anybody yeah, else have any questions? Yeah, go ahead, guys. Yeah, do you think we'll ever get a, a critical mass of, of uh, mankind that will ever knock this shit over, or are we just going to have to just come out uh, individually? Well, I personally think that it's, you know, for everybody that wakes up and walks away from Babylon, it leaves more of a strain on the people who remain until, you know, so if 10 leave, that means that the, the, you know, if you've got 1,000 people and 10 leave, then 990 of them are left holding the weight. And if, you know, and if 100 leave, the 900 are left holding the weight, and the weight gets heavier and heavier on those that are, left supporting that system to the point where they can't anymore and it collapses. It'll collapse its own. We're, I mean, you know, my job, uh, you know, just like it's not my right to, you know, tell others what they can and can't do. If somebody wants to go and, and entrust their stuff to corrupt politicians, go be my guest. I can't stop you from exercising your right to do that. It's not my job to stop you from doing that. I don't think it's a great idea. I think that you'd be much happier and more peaceful managing your own affairs. But, hey, I'm not going to stop you. It's not my job to stop you. I'm not going to make up the rules for you. I'm not going to be government over you. I can, only, I can only govern the things that are mine to govern, my, what I own. So as for me, myself, and my stuff, I, I manage that, okay? And that's more than enough. It's way more than enough. And, and, and we all have a hard enough time managing our own affairs. So, again, we have no say over what others do. I hope there's a critical mass. And, and, and again, it, it makes sense there would be as people wake up and walk away from the system, um, which is why I, you know, this is why I, I, I teach the way I, what I teach and not to say, well, you know, let's, let's see about going and using UCC or, you know, U.S. Code or the Constitution, you know, and, and utilize this stuff because you're utilizing their rules. They, oh, they authored them. They have authority over them. They change them when they want to. They own them. Yeah. I don't want any part of it. It's a deception. So I just, you know, I, I, again, I, I, uh, I would say get out of Babylon and have nothing to do with it. You know, let the dead bury their own dead. That is just, to yeah. me, that's, that's being able to separate myself from the adversarial processes and systems and live peacefully with my neighbors. It's just uh, my preference, you know. But I, but I, I prefer it to, you know, being uh, caught up in the system all the time constantly searching their books for a remedy. And it's funny, you know what? You all have a right to redress, right? We, we grew up hearing that. Well, you know, if you have a right to redress and, 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 you know, a remedy, right? Your right to a remedy, you know, and, and, and that's, 
And why should we have to search and, and, and look for them? Shouldn't they be provided? They're the ones, you know, it's like a bill. Whoever provides a bill has to provide the remedy, has to provide the, the, the way to make the payment. So, you know, I yeah, they, 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 uh, I'd like to add in with what you were saying there. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through the UCC financing statement, um, you know, a, a lot of that kind of stuff, and none of that has ever done me any good. And I've tried using it. Um, yep. And, and it's just part of a big reason I'm a follower of you is it's, it's, <laughs> it's, you're, you're in their system. And it's a separation that you need, in my opinion, uh, to, uh, you know, be able to well, get out of it. You've got to separate to get out of something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, you do. You really, really do. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, we all were there at some point, a lot of us anyway. I mean, I, I did A for V, and it worked 30 years ago, <laughs> you know. I used their codes. I used their statutes. I learned their statutes. It was a, the bane of my existence for 30 years. All to this conclusion, it's all worthless, absolutely worthless. The schools of them are adding to or taking away from true law. You can't add to something that's already perfect. And the way I look at it, my creator created a perfect law and then showed us how to fulfill it. So <laughs> you love your neighbor, you can't possibly commit a crime because you have no criminal intent. And that's a nice way to live, you know. I love my neighbor, so I'm not going to sleep with his wife. I love my neighbor, so I'm not going to go and steal his stuff or damage his property. Yeah, it's just a much nicer way to live, you know, in peace, without having adversarial issues. Hey, Dave, may I say something? Sure, please. You know, since I started all this, it's been, oh, five years, but the legal, about a year and a half. I became a better person, honestly. A man. I wouldn't say a person. You know, a lot of people don't know what that means, but so I usually say a man. Right, a man. Uh, like, literally, I treat everybody that different, and I, I see it. I see how everything works commercially, you know, cops, everything, court, system, everything. Yeah. Even when you, when you pay in a store, you get a receipt. Most people don't know why they get a receipt. And if you return something, where is the receipt? You know, all that stuff, it just makes sense. Like, I, I'm just going to – my goal is to completely take over, you know, my my own. You know what I mean? Where your life and manage your own stuff. <laughs> yes, and you know, I'm planning on buying. I'm I'm planning on buying a brand new car, and I think I'm gonna yeah. succeed. I'm working on it. How to get it? MLS, you know, MSO from them. There are way a few ways people. I find out people do it is a if you um, if, if you buy a car here and transfer to uh, Europe or. Not not Europe, certain countries. Uh, they give bill of sale and MSO with you. Well, so, if you have a private trust, they have to send the legal title to your private trust. It's di it's always directed by the owner. So if you're the purchaser, right? you're you're the new owner. You can send an, yeah. an estate is a foreign state to the government. Right, the I government. definitely do it through the so, trust. Yes, you I mean, can do that without going to Europe. Yeah, you could definitely yes, do that without going to Europe. <laughs> yeah. 
well, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm, and uh, a lot of people tell me that it's impossible and all that stuff. But it's like it's. A, I say it again. Have have you done it? And people say no. And I'm like, well, then I do know. And a lot of they, yeah, a lot of people teach. Trust off. Yeah, they teach you, but they don't they don't walk. You know. So, well, and I, you know uh, what, you're, you're doing it. You are actually doing it. You're notifying the public that you no longer trust them, and you're going to be managing your own affairs from this point on. So kudos right. for, for taking that effort and actually doing it because yeah. it's the fear. And, again, like you said, you even said it, it's fear. People are afraid. Well, if I, you know, if I'm not part of, you know, the crowd, if I don't go along with, uh, you know, everybody else and what they're doing, I'm going to be a, a, a you know an outcast. Yeah, but you're free. <laughs> yeah, you're free. yeah. It's actually, it's actually they actually think you're wrong and you're on the wrong side, but they don't see it. It's, it's actually kind of funny to me sometimes. Right. I don't advocate uh, initiating violence against my neighbor, but when you vote, that's exactly what you're doing. You yes. want somebody other than yourself to you know. Do what you want them to do, using the yeah. the violence of the state to to propagate it. Why would you do that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So then they complain about the cops. It's funny, yeah. Right. <laughs> I got no complaints about the cops as individuals, no, as as a man or a woman. I don't care if they're wearing a costume. Their costume means nothing more to me than you yeah. know a clown costume or a baker's costume or a doctor's costume. You know, they're just as advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 told to believe in their authority and the authority of the state, and again, that's fine, and and you're free to do so, but you're also free not to. I had a, a census guy come onto the property a few you know a few weeks ago, and uh, you know. <laughs> And he comes up, and my dog is freaking out. And I'm like, I know somebody's out there. So I go outside, and he walked from the end of the, you know. He, he drove in about a quarter mile and then walked about 100 yards over to my place. And um, I went out, and I was, you know, I didn't realize who he was until he turned around, and I saw it said census on his bag. And he goes, you know, I'm from the census bureau. I said, no, nah, it's all right. I don't believe in your religion, you know. <laughs> he says, well, I need to know who lives here. I says, no, it's none of your business. I said, uh, basically, that he says, well, you have a right to be counted. I says, you're right, and I also have a right not to be, so I would appreciate it if you leave. He says, well, we need more signatures so we can get another representative. I said, I don't want anybody that you think that should be representing me to represent me in the first place. So please, take your religion down the road. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be proselytized again by the state. I grew up listening to that crap. And I thought most of my yeah. life that it was legitimate until I re actually figured out that it's not. It's not legitimate, which is why, yeah, you don't want to fight a cop on the side of the road. You don't want to argue with them. You don't want to put yourself in a dangerous situation, okay? But it's real easy to... to, to, to uh, take subject matter jurisdiction away from a judge and a, and a, and a prosecutor, the state in general, <laughs> with yes. a few simple questions, right? Yuri, you, you, uh, you ask those questions. 
Did they feel? Did, no. Do you feel that those people uh, felt impotent against your authority? Yeah. They really didn't know what they to do. Yeah. yeah, they are impotent against it. Well, so, most cops don't even know. Most cops are not taught, so they were. Right. They just right. They yeah, just get up wrong. It's most of them. <laughs> well, when I was when I was in the military, I just knew what I, what they taught me. That's it. I didn't know anything else better. So, right, right, and that's what all of us. We go to school. We don't know anything else until you know until they tell us what to believe. Yep, and that's it. That's all you know. And then you walk around and you think you're smart. You know everything, but then everybody else does the same thing. They know the same thing you do from the high school when you graduate from high school or college or identical, and then it's insane. I mean, literally, yeah. I actually spoke to a dentist. I spoke to a dentist, and I told her that fluoride is so bad for you. And she actually knew about it. She's like, I know. And I was like, you still give it to people. She's like, yeah, it's my work. And I was like, wow, how evil is that? Wow. Yeah, well, yeah I know, it's I my know. job working the Nuremberg trial, so it's, you know. That's right. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's a it's horrible uh, defense. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep a license, but I'll, you know. I got to feed my children through your pain and through your suffering, through somebody else. Yeah, right. You know, that I makes you such a benevolent person. <laughs> yeah. When, I, when she said that, I said, you know, you can avoid that. You just don't have to prescribe. If you know, don't give it to them. But I know you get paid extra. I know. All that toothpaste you sell. That, and, you know, she looked at me. She's like, have a good day, sir. And I was like, bye-bye. <laughs> you know. Sure. I, you know, that's you how don't want to mess with her living. <laughs> she get angry. No, yeah, yeah. And that's what happens with cops and judges. They get angry when you question what they're doing for a yes. living. Yes. When you question whether or not they own you. Well, when you put it that way, I guess not. Well, then, then we're done here. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's right. If you don't own me, you've got no say or no control over me. Have a nice day. Bye. Hey, Dave. You know? um, it was... Listen, Dave, it was nice talking to you. My family came over, and I got to go. Um, Great. No problem, Yuri. Thanks for joining in tonight. Uh, thank you, yeah. I always love to hear you. Okay, you guys have a good night. Thanks, thank Yuri. You. All right, so we'll open the floor back up. Uh, we got, no, oh, about an hour and 15 minutes, so uh, we can we can discuss whatever you guys would like. Do you have any questions, comments? Topics, legal topics that you want me to discuss or, or you have questions on? A legal issue that you're going through and need some help with? Yeah, this is this is Scott again. And um I I would like to once again uh, touch touch back on collapsing the trust as as we were talking about regarding that birth certificate. Sure. Absolutely. Well, how? How, how? how is this done? Well, let me ask you a question. How would you, and, and you, are, you understand trust that every relationship you have or don't have is because you either trust someone or you don't, right? Correct. So every, every relationship is built on a foundation of trust. When the trust breaks down, so does the relationship, Right. Correct. So if I caught you, you know, if I caught my girlfriend cheating on me, she breached my trust, right? 
I say, I no longer trust you. Goodbye. We are no longer in a relationship. Our trust has collapsed. So in principle, and in fact, it's as easy as saying, I don't trust you to manage my affairs any longer. I will be managing myself privately or through my own trust. However, I decide to, you know, to, to effectuate my ownership rights. We're no longer in relationship. You have no more right to, to manage my affairs or my property. And it's a notice and, and uh, affidavit that I use to do that. Got it. And it would be, okay. you, would customize, you would customize that to whatever the situation. So if you're dealing with the DMV, I, I am the equitable title holder. Uh, for this property, and you use the description in the in the on the certificate of the title, right? And you basically tell them that you know I no longer trust you to manage the um, this property property for me, okay? So therefore, <laughs> uh, I'm collapsing this trust, and I demand legal title be transferred to myself or to my trust. These are the grounds. This is the affidavit. So you would put an affidavit of facts and the reasons why. Now, you okay, give so them an affidavit, which is an opportunity to rebut your presumptions or your, the facts that you're presenting to them as your reasons. And, and nine times out of ten, they're not going to be able to anyway if you're asking the right question or, or presenting the facts of the matter correctly. Okay, so, we're, so te uh, technically you were... So regarding the birth certificate, we're talking about getting the legal portion, the legal title back. Well, let me ask you, yes. Well, let me ask you a question. Actually, what you're trying to do, <laughs> and this is really a probate question, okay, because you're dealing with probate courts when you're dealing with the birth certificate, right, the dead entity, the end legus person, right? What happens mm -hmm. when an end legus person dies, goes into probate. Correct. But what also happens once it, once the once the matter is uh is uh adjudicated in probate, what do they issue? A death certificate. There you go. You just killed the legal person. Now you you know, whatever is in that estate for or on behalf of a legal person you want passed to your private estate. You're collapsing that trust. Same with the trust, the Social Security trust. It's a trust. It's an actual trust. I've got a client, and I'm not sure how things are going with him. Not even a client, just a, a, one of the, a listener. And he called me a few months back before COVID, and he's in Las Vegas. And uh, he tried something new, experimenting um, you know, utilizing bankruptcy to discharge everything, okay, all debts. So, you know, as, as his discharge process. So what he did was he filed a personal bankruptcy, and when they ask, are you the beneficiary of any trust or, you know, uh, legal claim or, um, you know, anything that could be potentially have value, right, they ask you those things. He said, yeah. Uh, I believe this is a trust. This is, you know, this being the Social Security trust account, okay, is a trust, and there should be something in there to cover my bills, uh, you know, or my debts. There's also the, the birth certificate, uh, which I believe is a trust. 
and, and a security that has value. And basically, the, 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 and he got the top, law firm in Ve- top bankruptcy law firm in Vegas to bring this before the court and actually have it, have it um, recognized as that. So at that point, they, they uh, required a full accounting of those trusts. And that's the last time I heard from them. I haven't heard the, the, uh, the final. They're going to do an actual, actual forensic accounting of all that stuff? All of it. He, he was he basically, the trust, he was claiming bankruptcy. But if there was stuff of value, they would have to do a full accounting of those trusts. They would have to you know, make that known to him what's in there, they would have to apply part of that to the debt, and then he has full control at that point as to what they want him to do with the rest of it. And he could basically at that point say, hey, you know what, keep it as a bond, and I'll, and I'll use it to, to uh, discharge debts for the rest of my life, you know? Because that's well, all bankruptcy is, is, is a discharging of debts. <laughs> I, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was brilliant. It? I, I like it, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again, there's, there's, there's always a way to go about it, even if, uh, you know, and again, he was, uh, you know, he wasn't claiming that he's a citizen or anything else. He said, you know what, I got these two, you know, certificates of, of beneficial interests, right, a birth certificate and... I mean, the legislation for the Social Security Trust Act is a trust. It's in, in its own, uh, you know, uh, definitions. It's a trust account. And absolutely he's entitled to utilize that to discharge debts against. What you don't know is that you've been traded on, and that's been traded. And I had a, a client when I was doing finance, so probably five, six, maybe even eight years ago or longer, and he did a forensic accounting. He was getting Social Security cards, sometimes ordering two and three a year, and we were getting finance on them. And um, I, mean, I believe it's two a year that he can get. But he asked, he demanded a full accounting on each of the cusp numbers on each of the cards that he got. The Social Security number was the same, but every card that he received had a different cusp number on it. And he demanded oh, wow. a full accounting of all the different cusp numbers, and it was billions of dollars that was traded all over, and and it showed the accounting, all of it. Mm-hmm. So that was in there. That was his trustees utilizing his account to and and managing his affairs. They just don't tell the beneficiary what what's in the benefit cookie jar, you know. <laughs> until you demand a full accounting. And as an equitable title holder, you have the right to do so. You have a certificate of beneficial interest in that trust or in, you know, in the res of that trust, in the assets of the trust. And ultimately, you are the, the absolute owner. Because when the trust collapses, the beneficiary becomes the absolute owner. Title is now uh, joined again as one title, and, and, and that's true ownership or a lodial title. And once again, the probate court is the venue. It's all, anytime you're dealing with statutes and codes and all that crap, yeah, most of the time it's probate court, right? They're, they're administering over the enlegus person or the dead entity, and they want you to be joined to that dead entity. 
right? They call your name in, in court, but it's not your name. They're calling out for the legal person. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're, they're happily surprised when somebody goes, oh, yeah, that's me. They go, phew, now I don't have to take respons- my fiduciary responsibilities for these charges because that's exactly what happens in the public trust. They're the fiduciary. They are supposed to be responsible for any issues with the estate and they are always supposed to be looking out for the beneficiary. So when you go and you join yourself to that dead entity, they go, wow, great. I don't have any responsibility anymore. We can stick it on this guy. He just claimed to be the trustee instead of the beneficiary. Instead of taking the birth certificate and going, nope, here's the legal person that you wanted. Lock them up. <laughs> you know? Here. Slap the cuffs on that piece of paper and throw it in a cage. You know, they can't. They know that. They know that's the only thing that they had authority over was that birth certificate legal person that created all the other IDs and all the other accounts that you open under that name. And it's underhanded and it's deception and it's sneaky, which is all a breach of trust to begin with. So that's why I say it's never a legitimate thing what they do. Hope that helps. I guess in Absolutely. short, I would say, yeah, in short, I would say your best bet for for notifying them is notice an affidavit that you are no longer going to allow them to manage your affairs or your property. And you just collapse it. All right? Just like a girlfriend that cheated on you. I don't trust you no more. Get out. <laughs> it's that simple. It really is that simple. And they'll go, eh, whatever, because they, they, they know that you have equitable rights that allow you to do so. Beneficiary always has the right to collapse the trust for a breach or demand a full accounting at any time, so long as it is, you know, warranted. Hence the affidavit to support your reason for notifying them that you want a full accounting in the first place. So, yeah, I hope that helps. Do we have any other questions? We got an hour, so I'm I'm more than willing to stick around for an hour and discuss any topics that you'd like to discuss. Yeah, for those with um, those of us with utility bills. How do we pay them then? You know, like when we get a, can we use it as a check or how do we send it back to them so that we can accept it for value? Well, the bill itself usually has a tear off coupon, a perforated section at the bottom when you get a bill, a hard bill. I think I still think they do that. I don't know. I haven't paid a utility bill in almost a dozen years. Um, <laughs> but how can you pay it with with Federal Reserve notes? Because a Federal Reserve note is a promissory note. It's an IOU from the government. Right. Right? I get a show so it's a debt. <laughs> right, but it's a debt from the government. So you can't pay a debt with a debt. You have to pay, you know, if you're paying something, it has to be a, uh, something of value that you're paying it with. So when you okay. hand them a check, yeah. which is a negotiable instrument, a promissory note from you is no different it's actually more 
uh, <laughs> um, you know, more likely that they'll actually someday get paid when there is actual money again if they have a note from you rather than the government. Governments collapse. Their notes end up on the, on, on the highway floor, you know. But if, if, let's say, you borrowed something from me, right, and you gave me an IOU, I'll pay you when I got it, you know, when I have something of value to give you, and I accept that, right, I'm thinking, okay, you're a trustworthy guy. I, I trust you for it, and, you know, we do it. That's it. I mean, you know, I got a better chance of getting it back from you than the government ever paying me. I'd rather have your IOU than theirs. Most people don't look at it that way, though, you know, because my IOU isn't accepted everywhere, you know. But my IOU works with people that I'm in trust with privately, you know. I have those relationships. If I need something, I give them a call, and, you know, if they can do it, they'll do it. And they know that I'll give them something of value to pay it back. You're not getting any value from the government. They're not giving back the gold and silver anytime soon that they stole in 1933, right? Which is why this country is in, in, in perpetual bankruptcy in the first place, which is why HJR 192 and Public Law 7310 exist. Because all you can do is set off, which your electric bill is, it would be a set off, a zeroing out every month of the bill, right? Instead of a discharge, which would close the account. But you can only set off or discharge debts if there is no money to pay them. Or you can call them personally and say, hey, you know what? I've got a cow. I'd be happy to give you that for the next 12 months of electricity. And at that point, you've made an offer that has value. Not some offer of, 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 you know, fictional promissory notes from the government. That's an actual yeah, offer. They've, they've been calling quite often. I haven't answered, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I bet they do. I own quite it. But I again, paid you deal with their CFO. Yeah, I, I guarantee you well. that their accountant, their CFO, 100% knows about offset and discharge because it's general accounting terms. It happens all the time. You're talking about money of account, money of record. There's just no money I, of value anywhere. And I just want to offset it somehow? Not yep. just Right. If you discharge something, you're, you're closing the account. If you're offsetting it, you keep the account open. It's just zeroed out each month or every time that your bill is. So if you pay monthly, it's monthly. It's quarterly, it's quarterly. Annually, semi-annually, whatever. You know, it would be offset till the next the next payments due. So, and again, if like you really to... understand how simple it is, you can send notice to them to do what their law requires, public or private, right? Right. So, that's uh, you know, and again, the CFO, the the company accountant, they know what offset and discharge is. Okay. They also know what write-off is, right? If they write something off, they get a dollar-for-dollar dollar exchange against any tax burden that they may or may not have, dollar-for-dollar dollar in value. So if you owe them ten grand and they write it off, they're saying they're no longer going to go after you for the ten grand, and they go to the government and they go, hey, can you credit me 100% to, you know, against my tax bill? So if they owed 100000 in taxes, now they only owe ninety. 
right? And, and again, it's still money of record and not any money of value. You're always dealing with liabilities or, or credits and debits. And they always have to balance the books. And that's all that offset and discharge is. And if they were actually doing it, there would be no debt clock in Manhattan. There'd be no national debt because those debts would have been set off or discharged when they, when they arose. But they don't teach that in the 12 years that you spend in their indoctrination center either. You have There's to come across to HDR 192 by yourself, you know? There's something to do with lawful money too that I was studying a lot when I first stumbled across this too. And redeem for lawful, lawful money, it actually reduces from the debt. And when you sign regular, it adds to the debt, something like that. You know, I don't remember exactly how it all worked, lawful money. Well, lawful money, okay, they, they call what they're using these promissory notes currency. Lawful money, okay, I don't care what word you put in front of it, okay, because it just becomes an adjective to, you know. So money is something that has inherent value. Your labor is money. You're trading it for a promise from the government. Um, you, you know, if you have an asset, a hard asset, a car, or, you know, ammo, you know, that's a hard asset. Yeah. It's got inherent right. value. That's money. It's money. It's got value. You can get something for it. No doubt about it, that, but it actually has value inherent in the thing itself. Currency doesn't. All that is, is is script to decide, you know, who owes who what, when lawful money or money becomes available. And because the country is in bankruptcy, they, they literally uh, are, are dealing in discharge and offset all day, every day. So why would somebody go personally bankrupt to discharge debts when there's a perfectly good bankruptcy wide open that the government is running right now? National bankruptcy. That you can write off your debts, discharge, and, and set off your debts against. And then there's others that, you know, I mean, if you, um, there's others out there that are teaching, and, and, and it absolutely is true. And it's just, you know, it's very similar to what I was saying about the guy with the uh, – you know, the bankruptcy case in Nevada, your Social Security trust account, and there is a trust account there that has value, can be used for set off and discharge. Your birth certificate, which is a bond and also a trust, because there was a trust created between your parents and the government, and then eventually you and the government, because you didn't, dis you didn't collapse the trust. So that trust is still active. Okay, there is value in it, or it would be collapsed, and they can offset or discharge it against that. That's, and you're yeah. not making any of this yeah. up. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get something for nothing. No, they stole everything of value that they considered money in their constitution, in their system, and bankrupted it. A bankrupt yeah. trust, unless they're trying to reorganize it and, and, and figure out and pay all the debts and figure out all the finance, is defunct. It doesn't exist anymore. That there's nothing to be entrusted with. But they're happy to, you know, they're happy to go on perpetuating their fraud by, you know, having you continue to register your assets into this thing that's bankrupt. 
So if you know that you're putting an asset into, you know, something of value into a bankrupt situation, it's already got a claim of a debt against it. And it's going to be used up in that. It's going to be disappeared in the bankruptcy. Right. With, with what the caller is uh, referring Corey. to. the Yeah, hey, Corey, it's Chad again. Um, that, that's right. Title 12.411 of the U.S. Code. Um, if, if you read that really close and understand the legalese, that is going to basically say that the Federal Reserve notes are currency for the Federal Reserve banks and all that. Um, but, but that's the code you're referring to. I've, I've used that. Um, I have stamps that I put on every check for that, which it honestly should not apply to you, but it actually does because it's not your account. You're acting as an agent for that account through the Federal Reserve and the, uh, the subsidiary It's the legal banks. fictions account. Yeah, it's the legal yeah. fictions yeah. account. Yeah, we're yeah. each bank or something, right? What's that? What's that? We're we're each our own bank, right? We're we're, we're the bank going yes. to the banker trying to get a loan. Right. So. You're a private banker. <laughs> right. That's a great definition too. We've got one up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but that that's the one you're referring to is 12 U.S. Uh, Title 12 of the U.S. Code. 411. <laughs> yeah, I haven't studied much of the codes. I, I know I've listened to a bunch of people talk, and they just—it's just so freeing and liberating. I just want to be there and stand there and be my own person, you know. Yeah. Right. Utilizing their codes is, or even studying them is mind-numbing. It really is. <laughs> it, it is mind-numbing. You know, it, it tells you right in there, if you read it close and understand their legalese, it does not apply to you. It's your acceptance as an agent for that that brings you into the joinder of it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah it's causing a trust to be created. <laughs> I noticed when I've gotten, like, bills and statements that some come in capital letters, and now when it goes into... Uh, collections i get a notice and it's with my first and last capitalized and you know because <laughs> they're looking so they're at you to, as if you're to, joined to that legal fiction already as well sorry go ahead go ahead I, yeah. <laughs> excuse me if, they, if they're already doing that they already know that there's two separate entities and that they are trying to get you to join, you know, to join you to that debt. Yeah. I haven't answered none. And I, I don't know. I'm afraid a cop's going to come to my door someday and I'm going to have to answer to it, but I just got well, to learn how to accept the value. Or... Yeah. When you, I just, I, you know, it's funny because I haven't checked my credit in years and uh, a little while back I checked it. Not that long ago, maybe, uh, you know, 10 months ago, I checked it. And I had a school loan. And anybody who knows bankruptcy law, you know, a bunch of years ago, they, they decided that you cannot discharge your school loan in bankruptcy. Um, so it'll stay with you forever, basically, until you pay it off. 
and it'll be a lien against your person, right? Well, I got uh, somebody, you know, somehow finagled my name and number or my number out of uh, my brother, and um, they called me up and they said, you know, this is so and so calling for David Horowitz for the school loan, you know. Well, they called and they asked for David Horowitz. I said, who is this? And uh, they told me, you know, they're from the, the school loan, whoever the agent for them was at that time. And uh, they asked for David Horowitz. I said, well, David Horowitz is a trust. I said, I'm the trustee, but, you know, uh, do you have a claim against the trust? They said, what do you mean a trust? Isn't David Horowitz a man? Or, you know, I, said, I said, no, David Horowitz is a trust. I said, and, you know, that uh, are you saying that this inanimate thing created a debt with you? Do you have a picture of that happening? Do you have any video evidence? Do you have any evidence whatsoever that this trust created a debt with your company? And the guy's like, I have no idea even what to tell you, what to say to you. I'm going to go talk to my supervisor, and maybe we'll get back to you. I said, that's fine. I says, uh, again, you know, uh, you know, have a nice day, basically. And uh, I go and I check my credit report. It's not on there anymore. It used to be $90,000, $97,000 in debt for school loans. They stop bother. They don't bother me. They don't contact me. They don't contact the trust. And it's no longer in the Enligus person's credit file. Gone. Have no yeah, idea how that happens. <laughs> I try to get smart with them sometimes, and they it's like, oh, you don't try to get smart with me, Mr. Rutt. You know, it's like, oh, I, I just got to learn my, you know, my script to the T and learn how to school them, you know. It's really just, about owning it. It's not right. about a script. The script, you know, a script is good if you're acting, but you need to own what you know. You got to know who you are and who you're not. And it's that. It's knowing. It's in your heart and it's in your mind. They can't take that away from you no more than they could take my college education or lack thereof. Uh, I don't think it was very educational. Uh, you know, the five and a half, six years I was in college, I don't think it was very educational. And I don't think it was worth anywhere near what they wanted me to pay for it. Uh, but because it's part of me, they can't repossess it either without maybe a lobotomy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, I get playing with them and then they get to me and I just hang up on them because like, I'm not dealing with you anymore. I got to learn how to discharge an offset. And well, it's really about managing your own affairs and taking, you know, and gaining this knowledge to be able to do those things and, and, and know you know, what rights you're standing on, what ground you're, you're, you know, making your claim that, you know, they all, yeah. So it's really about yeah. knowing this and having it be a part of you. Really own it. Study it. Don't just, you know, don't let other people just get, I, I said and I said it tonight. I said, don't take my word for it. Go read the stuff yourself. Because I could tell you something, but until you make it a part of you, it's not yours. It's mine. Yeah, you got to try it for you yourself. Know? you got to be, you gotta right. be that Right, the guy. Bible, you know, I don't know if you read the Bible at all, but uh, there's a story of the sons of Sceva, right? And basically it goes yeah. like this. You know, the the, the sons of Sceva were, uh, you know, I believe it was Paul, they were watching uh, Paul cast out demons, uh, you know, 
uh, and deliver people from demons in the name of Yeshua. So they turned around and, uh, you know, they saw somebody who was, who was uh, possessed and they turned around and go, we, you know, we rebuke you in the name of, you know, Yeshua, the one that Paul knows. And those demons turned around and beat the crap out of the sons of Sceva and said, basically, you know, Paul we know, Yeshua we know, but who are you? You know, if you don't know, if it's not a part of you, you will get beat up by these people. They know their scam very well. It has to be a part of you. Make it your own. Make it your own. Know who you are. Know who you're not. And don't allow them to put you into a category or a title that they hold legal title to. Don't enter into those trust relationships. That's the battle right there. If you don't enter into a trust relationship with the public and you are the trustee, you're the steward of the things that were entrusted to you, your car, your stuff, your life, your children, I don't care what it is. If, if those things were entrusted to you, then you have subject matter jurisdiction. You are the administrator of that trust or that uh, the property, you have, over that property or that asset. You retain subject matter jurisdiction. And you know that if anybody comes in claiming to be a trustee over that subject matter, over your stuff or you, it's easy to see, you know. I, if I if I am the trustee and I'm the holder in due course and possess all these things uh, personally, then or or um, I shouldn't say personally, um, in fact, okay, not in theory, not on paper, but in fact, okay, then I'm the trustee. Who are you? You know, who are you? And where did you get your authority? Who entrusted this stuff to you? And let them make them prove it. They're making the claim. Whoever makes the claim has the burden of proof to, to prove it, and proof requires evidence. Force them to bring in the evidence of they're the trustee managing your affairs for you. And they're going to run away because they know they have no authority at that point. All right. And most can be done outside of a courtroom, too, or by affidavit. Absolutely it can. Absolutely it can. Me, I love looking at them straight in the face and watch them squirm. I would like I love confidence. asking a judge, who do you think you are? I'm working you know, on I, it. I enjoy it, but I'm not afraid of these people either. You know, and, and the more that you know who you are and the more that you know who you're not, your fear level will go way down of these people. They're nobody. They're just like you and me. They got to go to the bathroom. They got to eat. They got to breathe. They got to drink water. You know, and they got to do the same things that we have to do. So they're not above us, okay? And when they put they themselves into that ownership position, they're claiming they own your stuff or you, they're putting themselves in a position above and over you. It's wrong. None of us have that right. Exactly. They're just acting because they have a title. Well, they're acting because there's been, you know, a hundred years of indoctrination. Our parents, our parents' parents have all been told that, you know, you can't fight City Hall, you know, that this is just the, the, the way it is. Oh, and by the way, it's the best system that we can ask for, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, you know. Millions of people in prison, people getting extorted by the millions every day. 
it's a lovely system. I really want to support that. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've been <laughs> paying child support. I've been paying child support for 26 years, and I was like, oh, man, you know, miss one payment to take away your license. 26 years? 26 years, yeah. I have three kids. How old are your kids? I have a 26-year-old and 11 and a 14-year-old. Okay, so, so you're paying different, now on the 11 and the 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, 14. <laughs> so, and what rights are you getting really from there? Do you get to talk to them? Do you spend? Do you get to spend time with them, or is this just yeah. a get that's out because you know being held over your head? Yeah, with the second uh, baby mama, I got uh, visitation two, two days and every other weekend. So I heard Willie talking the other day, and he's saying he's get, getting all his money back, and it's like, well, that's going to be you know a great study there. So I like you know give yeah. me some encouragement and. So, I don't know if yeah. Louis on the line, but he's doing this oh, right Louis. now. Right, right, Louis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, from from last week's show or the week before? Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to yeah, all your yeah. shows and some multiple times. It's great. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's um. Can't find you know, like... He's going through it. <laughs> it's it's something that's a tough situation because, again, you have, you know. You were you and the mother were both entrusted by God with this child to raise the child in the way that it should go so that when they get older they don't depart from it. So they were you know, that baby was entrusted to the both of you. Now, if you're willing to manage the affair, you know, you know, manage the property, the child, in the way that you would you know, that that's right for your child, you know, and, and as its trustee, you decide that what it is. Okay? But the mother isn't, right? And the mother has to go and is dependent on government for help in doing that, okay? Right. Well, you have the highest claim. The child was entrusted to you. You're not going to entrust a child to a bunch of pedophiles and criminals and megalomaniacs that are, in, you know, that are, that are rampant within the public trust that, you know, it's, it's dangerous to have your child, um, you know, under that type of trusteeship, you know, you never know what they're going to learn. You do have the highest claim. The mother has a high claim, but if she's not willing to manage it herself and she hires a lawyer, she basically just said that she's not competent to manage the, you know, what's right for the child. Exactly. She's incompetent. She's incompetent. Mm -hmm. And you're willing to take over, you know, all of the responsibility until she's competent to do so, then you should be entrusted with your children and not her, especially if you're not asking for any benefit from the government to, to help do you, you know, to help raise them. Yeah, part of it's not exactly. asking them for help. Yeah, part of it's not asking for their help for anything. I don't want their help because, they, you know, it's not cheap. <laughs> the most expensive help you'll ever get. Yeah. And then she hires a lawyer and railroads me into child support and no custody, and she has all the rights, and, you know, it's bullshit. It's plain bullshit. Right. But if you know who you are and you know who that child was entrusted to, you have a higher right than all the government agents put together and her because she is not competent to manage it herself. 
She needs a guardian ad litem. She needs to have a, you know, a, a court-appointed attorney or some agent of the state as, as a, you know, guardian ad litem. <laughs> Not only over the child, but over her. And she's trying to threaten me for more money and this and that, and I should get a better job. And it's like, yeah, I'm working at UPS <laughs> right now, just trying to get by and scrape away from these assholes from fucking taking more money from me than they already have been taking from me for the last 26 years. So, yeah. You can <laughs> shut all that down. You can <laughs> shut all that down, set up a trust for each of your children and put all the money that you want into it, and they've got nothing to say. When that child is old enough to make its own choices and manage its own affairs, then you turn that over to them to manage. It's theirs. That's the way it should be. You're looking you know, out, that's a, yeah, you're looking out for wait. their best interest. That's why you're supporting them through trust. They turn them into a trust fund, maybe. Exactly. I put that on my wall, you know, maybe make it sink in her down thick head so she could do it first. But, no, she's a freaking stubborn ass, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, it is in the best interest for the two of you to come to an agreement on how you want your children raised, you know? That's the best way. And that should she be a 50-50 or a 100-100 uh, endeavor, you know? Yeah, she wants all the control. Yeah, well, she, that's not how it goes. They're her property. <laughs> they're, they're her well, property she she sure. thinks so, but she's using, <laughs> using the government's, the violence of the government to enforce exactly. that. That's wrong. If I miss one payment, I go to jail, lose my license. Well, you know, one way to do that is don't have a license. Don't ask for permission. I ask no permission, nothing, nothing. Not of, yeah. not of anybody. Nobody owns what I have. I don't need anybody's permission to use what I have. Anything that's been entrusted to me, I don't need anybody else's permission. I already have the grantor. The grantor entrusted it to me. I could help so many people around this state here, or at least in my area. And I know there's people without driver's licenses and, you know, they just railroad everybody, just throw them in jail, take away their licenses and haunting licenses even. It's like insane. I have never held a hunting license or, well, I have never held a fishing license either, really. I think when I was a kid, I might've had one for a short time in New York, but, uh, my license to, to, to hunt and fish and, and gather food for myself and my family is straight out of the Bible. I already got permission from my creator and the creator of the things that I'm hunting and, and, and killing. Exactly. <laughs> Kill and eat. Kill and eat. You know, you already got permission. You don't need their permission unless they created the fish or the, the animals you know, if they have ownership claim over them, which is exactly what they're doing, that's exactly what they're saying, and they're using a territorial jurisdiction to do it. I, uh, we own all the deer in the state of Montana and all the elk, and we've got a little factory up here in, in, in the, you know, in, in the, in the government seat of Helena that we, you know, we pump out elk and deer all day. Well, yeah, and we got trout and all these other things. So. These are ours. We created them, and you need our permission to go and, and get them to, food, to feed yourself. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that that is the case. And, again, you only have rights on things that you own or over things that you own. Stop giving your ownership, you know, authority away. 
to criminals that claim to be doing things in your best interest. We are doing what's best for the people. You know, you're all great. Or, <laughs> just so sick of hearing stuff like that. It's just ridiculous. Social contract. Yeah, right. Yeah, please. You know, show me where I solved. Get me the copy. We need it for the evidence file. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And again, it's anybody. Anybody that, that comes in and makes a claim over you or your property is a third-party interloper, a meddler. And we talked about that last week. And that's exactly what they are. They are trying to interlope or, or meddle in your business. Listen, you've got your own business. You go and manage yours. I'll stick here. I'll, you know, stay here and manage mine. Uh, unless you actually have an ownership claim over what I have, don't come back. Leave me alone. And they do. They do. Eventually they do. Yuri told you tonight. And he's brand new at this. He's brand new at this. It's great. It's so easy. It's that, that somebody who just came in and, and, you know, started listening to the show and listening to, you know, some of the principles that I'm sharing, picked it up and said, I'm going to run with this and did. You can't be afraid. And when you, you know, it's being prepared. It's knowing it. It's owning the information, knowing who you are, knowing who you're not. And then, it's, you know, knowing that is like knowing all the answers on the test. You're not going to be afraid to go in and take the test. You know all the answers are ready. There's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be nervous about. You go into court, you know, okay, there's somebody up there wearing a costume. There's somebody over there wearing a costume. I didn't know this was a costume party or I'd have wore a costume too. I've got my, I've got my Guy Force mask. I'd have wore that, <laughs> you know. I'm anonymous. Right. Who are you? I'm anonymous, but I do have a beneficial interest in the case that you're about to administrate over. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. It's like when I went to the, get my g girls from the school and they go, who are you? And I said, I'm me. I said, who's mm -hmm. me? I said, my daughter's, my right. daughter's, my daughter's father. <laughs> <It's> like, <Right. laughs> well, what's your name? Well, my like, I don't know. I, people call me different <laughs> things. People call me different I things sometimes. You know, bad words. <laughs> I am. Just, I'm me. Well, and that's what, yeah. you know, Yuri was saying. He said, you know what? And you, you, if anybody who listens to Carl Lentz, you, see, you know, yeah, I may drive from time to time. I may travel. I may do many things. But I'm a man 24-7. And a man is somebody who, who takes responsibility for their own actions and manages their own affairs, period. If, you're not, if the state is managing your affairs, you're not a man. You're not a woman. You're, not, oh, you're, you're incompetent of managing your own affairs in their eyes. Exactly. And how would they know unless somebody tells them, you know? You have to, you know, this is a very important stuff, but it's so simple. And it's irrefutable. When you, when you put that in front of them, they have no idea what to say. It's like their tongue ties up in a knot and they, you know, the pen's getting a bunch and, and, and they want to run out of the courtroom, which is why I like looking at them face to face. And asking these questions because they, they they just start squirming like, you know, like a snake or you know, running away like a cockroach that had the lights turned on, back to darkness, you know. 
they're, they're, you know, at that point, they're not even equal, you know? They slither off. They run away. They don't want to have anything to do with exposing the, you know, the fact that they have no authority over you in the first place. Exactly. Only what we perceive or give them. Uh, well, we've been talking about that for a bit. Uh, anybody else have any questions or topics they'd like to discuss? We've got about a half an hour left. Happy to discuss any topic. If you have a legal matter and you need help, feel free. Hey, Dave, it's Daniel in Arkansas. Hey, Daniel. How's it going? Are you Doing enjoying good. the show? Well, yeah, of course, man. I'll tell you what. I always enjoy a good, good conversation. This is good fellowship. So uh, I, I don't know if this yeah, it's very good. I don't know if it's the platform, but I thought that we'd, um, if, if I'm experiencing this, maybe others are well, I'd like to talk a little more about this, um, the topic we spoke about the other night about um, banking without a social security number. Do you feel like this is a good forum for that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're just... <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not a that's that's actually a good question. I'm glad you brought it up on the show rather than you know, uh, it helps a lot of others as well because I'm sure there's plenty of us out here that that you know, run into that issue, and um, and again, you can set up a trust. That trust can get a bank account, a, a uh, non-interest bearing account, and it, and a lot of times a teller in a bank is not going to understand that they're going to ask a supervisor um, but there is banking law that says that a non-interest bearing account that there's no social security or EIN number required for that uh, I don't have it right in front of me but I will look it up and, and I'm happy to send it to you when I find it um, but there is there is uh, statutes that that speak to that effect um, as far as part of the banking code and I wish I had uh, one of these days. I'll have uh, Carl Cullicut on the call, and he's been doing this uh, for quite some time, uh, dealing with banking laws and literally just dissecting them. He's um, <laughs> kind of like the encyclopedia for banking laws, which is uh, pretty impressive with how long he's been just studying that topic alone. Um, but uh, yeah, the the you can you know force them using their code, okay, or you can go roundabout, okay, bypass it, set up a, um, if, you were, if you were to set up a trust for your straw man and, you, you know, and take that out from being under the public's trust into the private, you can still utilize that social security number and be separate from it. Does that make sense? I'm hearing you what you're saying. What's that? Uh, you you were asking a question. I didn't know if it was rhetorical. Um, if you were asking me a question, I was answering it. I'm sorry if I just jumped in. Why well, shouldn't have? No, no, please, please. Well, no, I said that um, I'm a little bit different than some. I haven't participated in the so with the Social Security number for over 30 years, and uh, I do have specific communication to Carol Colvin to then. Um, uh, commissioner for Social Security in 2014 with an official um, a notice of my revocation for fraud and what have you. So to go back right now would be a little bit of a contra contradiction for me. 
unlike some right. other people possibly. That's perfect because when I was setting up corporations for 17 years, statutory corporations, I was creating legal fictions all day long, all day long. <laughs> and again, I would rather use, you know, use a business trust, a private business trust or an unincorporated business trust um, that's private created specifically for banking, get an EIN number for it. The only asset in there is the EIN number itself. And the only reason it's there is so that you have the opportunity to bank. Your trustee or you uh, will get the, you'll sign the, um, the signature card as the trustee, and they will open an account in that, in that trust's name. And again, the only right. asset in that trust is the EIN number. And the name that you give right. it, right? So the EIN number. Trust, right, you can actually, you can absolutely set up a private trust utilizing the same name the straw man was before you destroyed it, and now you created an absolute private one. And the only thing that exists is the name and that EIN number for as an identifier. There's all you need for the bank. The trust right. indenture. Right. So if, I, if you don't mind counter yeah, counter. Um, Counter-communication, to get an EIN number requires a Social Security number. No, it does absolutely not. When I, went to, absolutely not. Number, when I went to get EIN hey, numbers, I could not acquire one without an SS number. So that would be something that would be of great, great interest because uh, that's, that would resolve a lot of issues for a lot of people. So you, get, yep. you said two and, things and, on and this yeah, phone call. You don't need to because a company can own a company. And be the the you know the creator of that corporation or trust. A trust can set up another trust. A trust can be the grantor, the trustee, and or a beneficiary. All parties. So any other created entity that you create can also create another entity. Okay, be the grantor of another trust. And when I set up a trust estate, you know that's really what I'm doing. You set up a management trust, and that's the trustee for all of your other trusts. So your asset trust, your straw man trust, your kingdom of heaven trust. Um, well, actually, your kingdom of heaven trust is the only trust in your trust estate that you're the actual trustee because it is a private relationship between you and your creator, and you are actually the one that is the steward or the trustee over that relationship between you and your creator. So um, all other trusts for things – I set up a management trust as the trustee for all of those, and that's where you operate out of and manage all of your other trust relationships. So, yeah, you could definitely do that. A trust can set up a trust, and there are ways to go about doing things, you know, uh, without a Social Security number or another EIN number. If they need a number for identification, you can make one up as long as you, okay. you know, so if you wouldn't mind, Dave, I've got a couple of questions for redirect, and I, and I do appreciate you putting yourself out of here, and especially with only four hours sleep and a sick um, animal <laughs> besides. So we really appreciate, uh, obviously, knowing what you're doing. been at this a long time myself. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm assuming that you're getting an EIN number and not doing it online without an SS number because when I've, I'm at the IRS.gov, it says the person applying online must have a valid taxpayer identification number 
SSN, ITIN, or EIN to get an EIN number online. So now that so in other words, you would have to um, apply um, through the mail for this EIN number, which they say minimally would take 45 days up to 90 days for an answer at this particular time. So that's not necessarily the best um, answer for me as far as my particular needs. So going back to the first thing that you said is that um, there's banking laws that you say are in place that if you're not a non-interest bearing account with no interest of the United States or the state, if you would, um, yes. no, no social security number is required. That banking law is um, um, not disclosed to me. It's hidden to me. It's uh, occulted from me. That would be tremendously in my advantage. I've been through about 24 or 30 banks and uh, closed doors, and I have quite a few people right now in my um, uh, assembly or people I'm, I'm um, fellowship with that are looking to me for breaking through this because it would benefit them, them as well. So I'll just wait and um, hope that you can find that particular provision and get back to me on it. I guess. Well, I, I, I've got, I've got, an, I've got a, a, a great idea because part of when I, when I set up an estate, uh, you know, again, it's not just one trust; it's tons of trusts. You don't just have one relationship or one asset; you have many. Okay, so there's many trusts. One of the things, and again, we we touched on the term private banker. Okay, earlier, and if you look up that term private banker, you, you, the lights will pop on as well. Um, <laughs> we set up a family bank or a trust bank, you know, uh, an estate bank for, you know, when I set up um, an estate for folks, usually it's way down the line because I'm, you know, depending on where they're coming from, I'm teaching them how to be a good trustee or a good steward and manage it defend it, um, you know, and establish new trusts. And um, banking usually comes in later on. But um, a bank is a business. It's a business trust. You can set up your own bank, okay? And it's, it, it's no less valid than the commercial bank on their side, okay? The people that would bank with you or, you know, it's a trust. All banks are a trust entity. All banks are a trust entity. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it five times more. All banks are a trust entity. They have a fiduciary responsibility. You're giving them your energy or your currency, okay, and you're entrusting it to them. They become the trustee, okay, and they're holding it in trust for you. They cannot create, you know, money out of thin air, but that's what they do based on, you know, fractional reserve banking, and I don't, uh, I don't teach anybody to become a fractional reserve bank, but you can definitely be a private bank, and any group of people can, can join together and form a private bank, a place where, you know, their money is safe, um, it can be pooled, you know, depending on, you know, uh, the parties to, you know, to invest in things and, and you know, work it exactly providing the same exact services that a bank uh, offers, that a commercial bank offers. There's also, by doing so, you can add debit cards and credit cards and all these things because Visa and MasterCard and those companies, and that's all they are as companies, will be happy to issue cards to your members, okay, to your uh, 
depositors. Okay? They'll provide you with a management system for all of that. And it's literally a bookkeeping system. Does this private bank then that you set up that you're referring to then communicate with, say, the Fed window or something like that to cash checks and turn it into, uh, say, to modify? Uh, yes. <laughs> say yes. Yes. Because, I mean, all the bank is doing is acting as your broker. I mean, I've looked at them and I've examined this very carefully. They're just being your broker. That's all it and is. You don't need to go through them. You can go to the discount window yourself. In fact, if I actually have the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I said I'd call Little Rock, and I'm waiting for a call back on that very subject. So it's not something that hasn't crossed my mind. That's where yeah. the nearest Federal Reserve Bank is to me, is Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. And you don't need to be a Federal Reserve Bank or be under FDIC. There are private trust companies all over the world that do exactly this. And every single bank is a trust company. They're just, you know, they're commercial. They're obviously under statute. Yours isn't. You get sort of like a credit union. Exactly like a credit union. The members are the owners. Yes, the members are the owners. And you don't need permission to pool your money, to pool your resources with others in trust. You just need trustworthy people. That's all. Trustworthy men and women. Well, I guess I am um, hungry for the information how to be a private banker and head up set up the private banks because I think it'd help a lot of people. I would, I'd like to, um, I'd like to uh, take that course. Where can I find that course? Uh, that'll have to be one we put together. But uh, I, I do, I, I do teach people how to set up. You know, again, a. a unincorporated business trust. If you want to call it, you know, Daniel's, you know, trust and loan, by all means. <laughs> you know, it, again, it, it's actually you're, you're operating in freedom. And if you're trustworthy, then people will work with you. People will entrust you with their deposits, you know, and especially if it's in, in, in a form of a credit union where they actually own their deposits and they are part owner of the trust. They're a, a party to the trust. You know, and again, it's a lot more tight-knit. You know, and it's not, it is not operated under statute or, or, or government regulation. It's private. It's none of their business. You're just managing your own affairs when it comes to money. I would the discount, be very window, the discount window is open. The discount window is open for any and all promissory notes. There is a tremendous market for private notes. Huge market for private notes. You can sell those notes, <laughs> or you can monetize them. I should say. And again, if the people are trustworthy, then they'll get you know they'll they'll pay back what they owe. But in a private bank, you're borrowing from yourself. So you can choose whether or not you want to charge yourself interest. If you're charging interest, it's you charging yourself interest. So it's like a forced savings account, where if you're lending somebody uh, a depositor money, they pay interest back, and it grows the, the deposit, you know, it grows the assets of the trust itself. <laughs> because anybody who entrusts their, their money to you 
they're only asking you to keep it, you know, safe on their behalf. You can't go and invest it. You can't do it. And neither can the banks. Again, Carl Collicon, if, you, if uh, he is on Facebook, check him out. Um, these banks are not allowed to um, – they're not even allowed to loan to U.S. citizens. So they changed it to consumer. They changed the title to consumer to bypass the actual regulations. It's fraud. But again, if your trust, you know, the trust, the banking is, 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 you know, when you trust a bank with your money, you're creating a trust relationship. <laughs> How trustworthy is a bank that's giving your information to a third-party interloper? Think about that one for a second, right? All deposits over ten thousand get, you know, uh, a note to the to the federal, you know, government, and there's red flags. They can call at any time and and you know freeze your accounts. <laughs> the government has way more control over it because it's a statutory corporation than your private corporation, which they have no no authority over whatsoever. Well, a bank is just a business, and the business of banking is is what a private banker does. Look up private banker. It's it's it's, it's an eye opener, and it's very simple. And it's very simple. And you know, you can give an IOU to somebody, and if they trust you, they'll they'll recognize your IOU. It's the only thing holding together the FRN right now. The full faith and trust of the government or the people, you know. <laughs> Once the trust disappears, so does the bank and so does the currency. It started all this crap back in 1933 anyway, and even before then. I mean, this has been something that's gone on forever. It's the Babylonian slave system. Well, free reign slavery through debt. <laughs> so... And again, it doesn't. Uh, have you ever seen any of these um, trade groups? Um, years ago, when I when I was uh, first starting in business, I I looked into a bunch of these trade groups, and they have what they call script, which is like dollars. Okay, they're credits for anybody who's part of the group. You can trade services for either directly, service for service, value for value, or value for script, which is a which is an IOU that can be used in any of the other, uh, you know, people in the group. So if you've got somebody who builds houses and somebody who does, you know, a car wash or, or, you know, sells cars and they're willing to trade and barter, they're barter groups. And I'm sure there's tons of them out there. Um, it's a great way to exchange value apart from the system. And they do a, a, an account of record. Um, accounting very much like what you see in, in the public. It's an it's a, it's a count of record, right? The passing of credits between, you know, assets and, and uh, liabilities. That's all it is. It's record keeping. But these are a good way to, you know, to be able to still operate in, in a commercial way without becoming a part of commerce, you know, so, like, when I set up a, a, a new trust or a new trust estate for somebody who does have a straw man and, oper, you know, 
we put the straw man in, in the private trust and indenture it and everything that it is to a private trust, and the beneficiary of that trust is a unincorporated business trust. So that that's what's going to be out there at the edge of your private hedge and the public is the business trust. But it's also the beneficiary of that straw man, and you can use the straw man's uh, identification numbers and IDs and all of that um, through the business that you set up, that you create. And then again, your management trust is the trustee for that. So there's another degree of separation. And they're not going to come to you and say, hey, you know, you're Daniel so-and-so and, and, and uh, you know, talking about the legal fiction. You say, no, I'm not David Harlitz. David Harlitz is a trust. I'm just a trustee. So I hope that it helped, uh, Daniel. And, and, and we can do some more on that, and I will look up the uh, – I will find you a way to get you a bank account with all, without all the uh, Social Security and, you know, requirements. Um, again, it can and, and is being done uh, privately. But, again, you can set up and you don't need a, a Social Security or an EIN number to create a corporation. Um, especially a private one, and they want to know, uh, you know, that a trust was created, and they want it to have a taxpayer ID number, and that's what the bank is looking for. But if there's no tax liability in a non-interest-bearing account, because the only thing that the account can be taxed on is the profit, right, the interest that it makes. So without the interest-bearing uh, account, with a non-interest-bearing account, there is no tax liability, so there's no requirement for a taxpayer ID to open that account. And it's always been that way. A pass-through savings account doesn't require a Social Security card. We used to get them for our kids. And, you know, they weren't even issued Social Security cards at the time. You know, we set up a little savings account for each of the kids. It was just a passbook savings account. They could put their, you know, part of their allowance in, and you teach them how to manage money. They didn't require a social security card because, you know, uh, you know, sometimes parents don't, uh, you know, go even and get one for them until they're ready to go and go to work or go out on their own. Give them the choice. Not a requirement. Yeah, Not everybody has to have it. That's the last time my bank was. I had one of those. Really? Trying to give you an idea how long it's been since I've banked. Well, kudos to you for living privately all this time and, and, and dealing with the hardships of doing so. But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't the, easy. It wasn't oh, easy. And if it wasn't for the it wasn't for the fact that mom passed away this year and left an inheritance and I've got um, um negotiable instruments I cannot exchange uh, in regards to her state, I wouldn't even have in this conversation. But it's not just my conversation. Um, our group, some of the guys are on the call right now, and we've been um, working this issue and have found no answers out there. So you at least give us hope. And that, that was pretty good. Getting hope is worth half the battle, you know what I'm saying? And, and it was free, too. Well, thank you for that, you know? Free hope. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't charge for hope. <laughs> Hope doesn't Hope come from good. me anyway. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm happy to help you guys, and, and we can definitely discuss this. Um, 
you know, maybe we'll do that as one of the topics on your show, and I'll do a little bit more research and get the, the information you're looking for while we do that. By the well, way, Daniel, you what? Go ahead. What? What? I don't know. I was about to say something, and somebody was jumping in there. But we definitely would be happy to have that be a conversation on our Thursday night gathering. And thank you very much for making the commitment to visit with uh, with us. And um, we will broadcast and make sure that there's a, a good crowd of people to be able to hear some of the things that you've experienced. You know, I, you've got boots on the ground, and that's what matters to me. Awesome, awesome. And if you'd like, you know, uh, please tell my listeners what you guys do on Thursday and what we're talking about. Okay, Maybe so we're, we're going to that show as well. Okay, um, let me get that. Uh, so this uh, Thursday, and I believe we talked about at least uh, three or four weeks, I mean, um, whatever, so you don't get tired out. But we're doing a free conference call, HD call, Thursday night at 630 Central. Uh, with the House of Prayer here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have a law study group that's been gathering for about 10 years, and um, and it's Thursday night at uh, and the call-in number is 712-770-4160. That's again 712-770-4160. And to participate, you need a code, which is 845-576. And then if you want to play back that call before the next meeting because it re-records every, uh, every time you have a new meeting. The playback number is 712-770-4169. And we're just going to entertain um, Dave and, and his um, boots-on-the-ground um, experience. And uh, like we do, we just um, we search around and we, we look high and low for people that are out there doing this. And I've uh, been doing that for quite a, quite a good period of time. And uh, it's just so good I guess that's about it. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, and yeah, we'll definitely, uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll make this one of the topics we speak about one of these weeks. And, um, you know, in this way we can definitely give some solid, solid remedy <laughs> for folks that are looking to get bank accounts without, uh, you know, being beholden to the state with a social or EIN number. Hey, can I, yeah, can I toss something in? The main reason... The main reason, I'm sorry, I just want to say the main reason that's important for me for, as far as my experience, when I went into these banks, and I've been through 28, 30 of them, and uh, rejection, 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 what they're, they're describing is that the Patriot Act, Patriot Act and the FinCEN rules require them to know their customers, and to do that, they want their customer, regardless of the interest on the account or not, they want to know their customer's tax identification or social security number to confirm, i.e., maybe if you had if you bounced checks or if you've got bad credit, et cetera. So they're claiming it's a requirement under FinCEN uh, as a matter of the Patriot Act. Very specifically, and I'll just start for being so long-winded, but very specifically, they're claiming they're, when you read the Patriot Act, it describes such as required of all U.S. persons. And that's very specifically um, in, uh, in the uh, codes that they uh, challenge me with and say they can't open my account. So, yeah, we're looking well, forward to that. Yeah, I've got one thing to, to mention uh, as far as that goes. You're talking about the public side of the bank. All of these banks, you go to Bank of America, they have a private bank, 
and they also have a public side, commercial bank. You're banking on the wrong side. The private side is not regulated that way. It's not required to do that on the private side. And again, they, they, they protect themselves by doing it that way. This is why the Bank of America has a, a public bank, a commercial bank, and then they also have a private bank. And so does Wells Fargo, and so do, you know, most of the major banks. Again, each of these banks is a trust. All right, so the $25,000 question of the day is how do you access the private side of the bank? I mean, you walk in there and say, hey, I'd like to speak to your private side of your bank uh, manager, please. How do you do that? Absolutely, but you're better off looking online. Just, you know, look up Bank of America private banking or, you know, Wells Fargo private banking or any bank's private banking, and you just put private banking behind the, the you know, the bank name, and it'll bring you to where, you know, to, to – uh, that service that they offer on the private side. And, they'll, you know, I'm sure there'll be contact information and, uh, you know, to be able to talk to people who are speaking our language. Well, that's uh, right there. That's relevant. about public banking. So well, I may bring something to the table when we do our call then because I'm not going to let – I'm not going to sit and rest and wait. I'm just going to wait and put some um, my own boots on the ground on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, if you Absolutely. and if you want, if you want, I don't know if you guys are are, and and I'm not bringing this this guy's name up to to uh, applaud everything he does, but it, he's got some good things. I'm sure everybody's heard of USFL. Um, he's got you know he's been kind of teaching in this in this vein of uh, of knowledge for many years, and he's not in jail, and and uh, he's doing he's doing a lot of good things for for uh, for privacy. Uh, he has in his uh, in his you know, artillery. Um, he's got a video where basically he read a book by a guy who did exactly what we're talking about here with the, with the, with getting a non-interest bearing account through a bank, and he was able. Basically, the guy used their own code. Um, yep. and, and showed and showed the manager, you know, hey, look, this is here, this is there, this is here, this is there, and and he spells it out very uh, in, step by step. Um, and, and I just heard that this summer, so I'm sure it's still on YouTube or even on his website. Uh, and it was it was it was very straightforward, and, and it it's probably a good strategy for success. Yeah, and it's pretty much the same thing that I'm using, you know. Again, mm-hmm. you're 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 calling them to the carpet to follow their own rules. Um, yep. But again, don't think for a second that their private side banking does not know this. They do. They do. And usually, the reason why you know they have a pub, uh, private side is for the wealthy clients that they manage their affairs in trust. Fire. And and anybody like that doesn't want third party interlopers in their business, meddling in their business. It's the same concept. It's very much the same concept. So, yeah, we'll definitely get more into this on one of the Thursday night podcasts, maybe even uh, uh, on my podcast. It's a good topic. But, um, guys, thank you very much. It's 8 o'clock. Um, I want to thank everybody for, for coming on the show and, and all the interaction. Uh, you guys' interaction makes the show way better. So I appreciate that. 
And um, I just, I'll give a quick plug. Anybody who's interested in finding out, uh, you know, more about the show, you can get on um, How to Win in Court Without a Liar on Facebook. If you need to get a hold of me or if you're interested in being on the show or know somebody who would be uh, a good guest on the show, please have them get a hold of me at afreemaninbabylon at gmail.com. I'll say it again because I, I tongue-tied there for a second. A, the letter A, freemaninbabylon at gmail.com. Um, if you would like a copy of the Memorandum of Law and Religious Freedom and the Judicial Notice, please shoot me an email. Let me, you know, just mention I'm interested in the memorandum and the, and the notice, and I will send that to you, no charge. Uh, happy to do so. And, uh, you know, if you want to know more about it, feel free to go to the website, bulletproofsolutions.org, set up a, uh, you know, a 30-minute free consultation, and I'll be happy to uh, discuss, you know, that further with you. But, uh, again, I, I appreciate everybody uh, joining me tonight. and. Um, participation. And I really appreciate that because it really does make the show that much better. And uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday evening here. Thanks again. Thanks, David. Uh, David, is there a replay number? Nope, there isn't. But uh, if you want to shoot me an email, uh, I can send you the MP4 recording. Um, oh, and I do really, put the, That's really I, sweet. Yeah, and I do. I do the. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll mention this. I do have an archive. I can send you the link to the archives. The problem I'm having is my my network service has been horrible, and for the last three weeks, I haven't been able to upload a single um, show to the platform, which is um, Anchor FM, and then also when I when I post it there, it goes out to Spotify, iTunes, and three or four other podcast platforms. Um, but I can send you, in the meantime, uh, I can send you the link, um, which, will get, which will bring you to the uh, recording. I can send you the MP4 of the recording, or I can um, give you the archive uh, address if you want to shoot me an email, and you can listen to any of the recordings that are out there for the past year that I've been doing this. We'll do oh, that. and Thank there's you, also sir. a section on the website for the podcast, which I normally put up after I put it up on uh, Anchor.fm, but there is a, an archive on the website, bulletproofsolutions.org, for the podcast recordings. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that Thank up. You. Thank you, Dave. Good night. Thanks, guys. Good night. Have a great night. Good night. Thanks for tuning Good night, Dave. Hope your hope your dog's okay, dude. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I hope he lets me sleep tonight. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because he hasn't he hasn't whimpered or done anything throughout the last three hours. So I'm assured that uh, as soon as I start moving around, he's going to want to go out. <laughs> All right, guys, so have a great sir. night. Thank you. Yep. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.